0: time before cable when the local anchorman reigned supreme when people believed everything they heard on TV this was an age when only men were allowed to read the news and in San Diego one anchorman was more man than the rest his name was Ron Burgundy he was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. In other words, Ron Burgundy was the Bulls.
1: Mm.
2: I look good. I mean, really good. Hey, everyone!
1: Come and see how good I look!
0: All right, we're on. Ready, Phil? We're on in five, four. When the clock struck six, it meant one thing for Ron Burgundy and his news team go time!
3: Channel 4 News, with five-time Emmy Award-winning anchor, Ron Burgundy, Chamkind Sports, Rick Tamlin Weather, and your reporter in the field, Brian Fantana.
2: It's Channel 4 News at 6 o'clock.
4: sense better when spoken by Bill Curtis. That, my friends, is just a scientific fact. Good morning. It is uh, three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of March of the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly really ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. This, my chums, me amigos, me compadres, my fellow travelers on the road of whimsicality, This is the Rick Emerson radio program coming to you live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Here's a quote you probably don't want to read about your presidency. President Obama in his taping with Jay Leno Thursday attempted to yuck it up with the funny man and ended up insulting the disabled. Get to the story behind that headline in just one moment. It is... Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to uh, engage with us today telephonically uh, with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, whatever it is you might have on this glorious Friday morning in the City of Roses. If you'd like to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at kufo.com or rick at uh, rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com, Tim at kufo.com, or Richie with a T at kufo.com, ladies and gentlemen. And once again, our uh, phone number today, 503-733-2970. Today, our final pair of tickets to see Tesla April 5th at the Roseland Tickets on sale now at All Tickets West Outlets. You can also uh, win those at some point today. One random on-air caller today will be winning a pair of Tesla tickets. Tesla, April 5th at the Roseland. Uh, Also from uh, Tesla, Brian Wheat will be joining us today. We'll talk to uh, Brian Wheat from Tesla later on in the program. CNN Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins and James Roop joining us at some point. Uh, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com will be here. Uh, Speaking of Anchorman and John Apatow, we'll be here to talk about the new Paul Rudd. Uh, movie, which is the uh, I Love You Man, which I think Aaron called the How Impossibly Long Can Judd Apatow's filmmaking coattails Possibly Get uh, movie. So Aaron and Rand will be here for that later on today. Uh, we'll have your phone call I don't, Adam West. <laughs> no, we're going to have Adam West every day, Tim. Every day, the time immemorial. That sounds wonderful. Yes. You know what sounded wonderful I was listening back to it yesterday. Realizing how just long stretches of silence and the cricket noise can salvage any, any segment, any bit, any interview.
5: Now my radio in my kitchen was tuned to AM 970, and I heard the Adam West thing. The play. I, I had to turn it down. I couldn't listen to it.
4: <laughs> it was sort of gloriously cringe-inducing. That's fantastic. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. if you would like to uh, engage with us today. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday.
6: The president insults a retarded. A uh, thankless group of volunteers will try to stop violence on the max. A UCLA student group is protesting James Franco as their commencement speaker at their graduation. Could it be just a coincidence that Connecticut Senator uh, Christopher Dodd wrote in that language to the AIG bailout bill, allowing those bonuses to executives who live mostly in Connecticut? AIJ executives will soon face angry mobs arriving on tour buses to harass them in their <laughs> swank Connecticut homes. Excellent. Bank of America has turned over its bonus list to the New York Attorney General's office. The world's deadliest spider is found in Whole Food produce, and Rihanna is worried that Chris Brown will release a sex tape of them.
4: He's all class, that Chris Brown. Allegedly, I don't even know what's alleged and what's not anymore. Well, there, he is still her homeboy, Sarah. And really, (laughs) who? Love does hurt, Sarah. Uh. Yeah, this is all true. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented uh, Sarah X. Dylan, resplendent today in her uh, zip-up blue hoodie and I would say flawlessly applied makeup. I don't have any makeup on. I was trying to cover for you. I was trying to <laughs> create. It's theater of the mind, Sarah. I was trying I to create a positive try. image for the uh, for the listeners.
5: I know. Usually, about halfway through, I the don't show, try. I'll
4: try and- <laughs> That's the key to American success, is to aim low and don't actually... Why would attempt. you
5: try it, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning? Hey,
4: you know, I'm no one to talk. I have a I have a Movie Madness t-shirt on over, um, like, above some jeans what that I... What does your t-shirt say? It's from Movie Madness. Mike Clark's Movie die Madness. die for. Um, above some jeans that I'm not even really sure when the last time I washed these jeans was. It's because it's like, I don't know if they're Levi's or for The Gap or whatever, but those jeans where it's like, it's that strange sort of wash where it's got... They're blue jeans, but they got the just the tiniest bit of a brown tinge to them, almost. But I think that's just—I think that's Ew. the wash that they're made with. Do you know what it's I mean?
5: Not so much dirt, but the wash.
4: But see, but I can't really tell. See, that's the thing. Like, if you were to ask me right now, if I were to—if this was the sixty-four thousand dollars question—and is—is uh, is this in fact the design and wash of the jeans, or are they just filthy? I don't really know. It is sort of a fifty-fifty proposition at this point. Yum. All right, so we're talking to uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop later on today about Barack Obama's rather. Interesting appearance on Jay Leno.
5: Yeah, I uh, haven't heard this yet. I'm, oh,
4: I'll play it for you. It's just here's the thing, and I'll set it up. Let, let me just we'll set it up here because we got Lisa Desjardins going to be joining us here in just a few minutes from the hill, and I will say first and foremost, like like right out of the gate, it's not nearly as bad as if like George W. Bush had said it. But then again, nothing is as bad as, as anything ever said by George W. Bush, so, and that I don't mean that ideologically speaking, just in terms of delivery. You know, because the thing is with, like, George W. Bush, you, you know those Play-Doh extruders you had when you were a kid? Where you'd, like, jam the Play-Doh into it and you'd press down the handle. It and it look like all noodly. Yeah, and it'd go brrrr at the end. And it'd come out as, like, a star or, like, a, yeah, like a like, like little thin uh, strips or, like, spaghetti or something. George Bush was, like, one of those, but it was, just, it was just perpetually gummed up. It was just perpetually gummed up and clogged, and everything would just come out as, everything would just come out looking like some sort of Unfortunate digestive incident. So no matter what, like anything, anything sounded worse coming from George W. Bush. And so by definition, coming, you know, in terms of contrast coming off of eight years of that guy, everything sounds relatively better coming from Barack Obama. So it's not really the delivery. It just is the content. Because, well, we never thought we'd find
6: anything funny about Obama. No,
4: see, that's the thing. And so and here we go. I like to think that he is, uh, this is, you know what it is? This is like a comedic stimulus package. He's in fact bailed out the country. From a laughless morning, Sarah, and it's I especially amusing. It. Yeah, you know, and just because of years of watching The West Wing, when he opened his mouth last night and he said, "It's like the Special Olympics," oh, I pictured this slow motion horror film unfolding in the White House press secretary's office. Who, in my head, of course, is Allison Janney as C.J. Craig, just sitting there, go no, diving for the television to try to, uh, you know, try to undo the horror. And I thought to myself, "Am I lucky? I'm on a kooky morning show where I can play this every time we speak. (laughs) It is whacktastic, Tim." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the President of the United States.
2: I've been practicing really, (laughs) really. I uh, I bowled a 129. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, that's very good. Yeah. Oh, that's very good, Mr. President. It was like Special Olympics. (laughs) Dumb!
4: No! Oh, wow. The crowd loved it. Oh, yes. God. Of course they did, Tim. I was not to love. I mean, that's uh, that's comedy in a nutshell right there. Now, a-
6: as a comparison, going back to the W days, we would have probably had three CD
4: fulls of his gaffes by now. And that's not a... a, a-
6: this- Point of juncture into his
4: office. By the way, we should say that that's not a theoretical uh, statement either. When you I say have them at home. Oh, really? Well, I got. Remember I got,
6: we used to collect them?
4: What do you mean? What do you mean used to collect them? Too many OBGYNs aren't able to practice their their love with women all across this country. Yeah. No. There's some of us have never stopped collecting, Tim. That's uh, I'm going to be like one of those guys who goes into a record store and I'm looking for like you know an, I'm looking for an old Howlin' Wolf side from uh, 1931. So my, it is my goal at some point to say that I that I have amassed the complete, definitive, entire retrospective of the George W. Bush years in terms of uh, gaffes. So, anyway, so we'll be playing that Barack Obama soundbite, I don't know, probably, I would say eight, eight or ten I mean, times oh an hour. <laughs> we'll be playing it on the fives, Tim, all, th- all throughout the morning. Yes, African excellent. Obama together. Yes. El- <laughs> with a side of toast. Hello, Sarah Dillon, how are you today?
5: Hi, I'm doing well. I'm still, yeah, still You're adapting. You're a little to
4: scrapey change. today. Your voice is a little, uh...
5: I know. I've been...
4: You don't have that head cold going on today. No. You all dra- is your head all drained out?
5: Yes, but I've been... Yeah, I've been taking plenty of vitamins.
4: All right, and... you don't want to get sick.
5: No, I know. I'm, Yeah, I'm still just uh, trying to adapt to the new schedule.
4: All right, how's that coffee pot working out for you? Please tell me you've taken it out of the box. <laughs> Please tell me you've plugged it in.
5: I did, but I can't really figure out how it works. And then I tried to set it the other day for... Um, 3.30 a.m. You and
4: realize then, that you're in charge of like a nine billion dollar radio station every day, right? <laughs> that they let you run equipment that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. I
5: know. I tried to set it and I can't figure out how it works and I set it for, like, I, and then I took a nap so I tried to set it for the next morning and then I woke up and my whole apartment smelled like coffee. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? I'm like, is it 3.30 in the morning? I'm like, Where so, am I? I'm like, it's so bright outside. Why is it? Why? Is it? And then, so I started to panic because I thought I was going to be late for work and then um, I realized that I don't know how to set my coffee pop because I set it for the afternoon and not the morning.
4: You're so cute with your tiny female brain. Uh,
5: Isn't it, though? Yeah I, have, yeah, I have no idea how to set the but Like, I, I thought that I had set it properly, and I didn't. So, so no, he, it goes off in the afternoon instead of in the morning. Was
4: it just 12? Tw- well, now, look, I'm just saying, that seems to me, this is just my read on the situation, that seems like a relatively easy problem to solve because by de- because you know what the issue is. It's just set 12 hours off, right? Is it set for 3 in the afternoon and so not 3 in the morning? It
5: confuses me. No, because it it's set for 3 clock. in the morning. But it's just... So does that mean I have to set the time for the afternoon?
4: I don't then... even know what we're talking about. I should give a little backstory here. So the backstory story is that you are, uh, you are in possession now for the first time in your life of a coffee maker. You've never owned a coffee pot. Is uh-uh. that right? Yeah. Okay, and I don't even know how that's possible. I mean, unless you were always just working at places where they had them.
5: I think I have like an old Mr. Coffee.
4: A Mr. coffee. Is it the is it the Mr. Coffee that has the little, the ball on the side? And so as you pour the water in, the ball sort of bobs up to show you where the water level is. Boy, I have a Mr. Coffee Junior. You know now what is it, is that like a one cup at a time thing? Like I think it has three. Hey, you know, can I tell you what's an unsatisfying thing? And I own it anyway. I mean, I I own it and I use it constantly, but it's just not made. It's not it's it's not made the way that it should be made. Speaking of coffee makers, so Mr. Co- I'm a huge consumer of iced tea. Uh, during the summertime, you know, and I'll tell you this right now, a well-made glass of iced tea is one of life's true pleasures. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that makes me sound hopelessly homespun and like I ought to be talking about Pepperidge Farm. But, you know, hot outside, you pour yourself a glass of iced tea, you just you put that down, that, that's, I mean, that's really, is, that's about as good as it gets in this life. And so I tend to be kind of an iced tea snob in this sense. It, it, not that i'm into i don't have it and i don't like it flavored i don't like it with sugar i mean just a regular uh, black and orange tea that is brewed and iced i don't like it from a syrup i don't like it mixed i don't like it from a powder you got to keep it refrigerated or else it gets that weird olive taste to it and you don't want that um but my thing is this i don't know why they can't make an iced tea pot that actually makes iced tea cuz i bought this thing from Mr. Coffee don't get me wrong i i used to have a Mr. Coffee i was quite happy with it But I bought this, uh, what purported to be a maker of iced tea from Mr. Coffee. And all it really does is it makes hot tea, and then they tell you, and then put it over ice. And I really felt a little swindled after I bought it. I mean, I felt as though I'd been horked a little bit there. Because I I, I took it home, and I set it up, and I plugged it in, and I poured the water. I'm like, all right, I can't wait for my iced tea to come out of it. Why is it steaming? And then it 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 puts out, like, boiling hot tea. And then I swear to God, in the instruction manual, it's like now add ice, voila, iced tea and they had the nerve to actually say voila, in the in the instruction manual, as though it were magic it's really not, it's just putting tea over ice
5: ultimately it's magic, considering I
4: can't figure out my coffee pot it's, it's magical because it seems to turn on <laughs> at it's own whim All right. let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show from the hill, CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins hello Lisa Desjardins, how are you today? I'm uh, I'm fantastic. You know why I'm fantastic? Because Barack no, Obama today. You
7: no, know, it's not because of Mr. Coffee Maker. No,
4: it's not. It's because Barack Obama has given us the gift of laughter this morning, Lisa. <laughs>
7: it's
4: because he has given us the gift of of comedy, Tim. <laughs> You're talking his message to Iran. Tim, how is how has Barack Obama made us smile on this Friday morning?
7: This is my question.
4: Do we have the soundbite? We we do. Here Let we me just. Uh... So I've
2: been practicing. Really, <laughs> really. I uh, I bowled a 129. <laughs> That's very good, yeah. Oh, that's very
7: good, Mr. President. Like, it was like Special Olympics.
4: Don't. Ah, wow, well, that's unfortunate. Unless you're us, in which case it's highly fortunate. <laughs> to what extent do you believe uh, the White House press secretary, is it Joe Gibbs, John Gibbs, Phil Gibbs? What's his name?
7: <laughs> you can call him Joe. His name's Robert.
4: Robert Gibbs. Uh, to what extent do you believe he was cringing when he heard that? Would you say it's a uh, five or greater on the classic one to ten scale?
7: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's an eight or nine.
4: Yeah. I, Barack Obama, um,
7: however, not so
4: good off the teleprompter.
7: I'll tell you, you know what I think it is: is he he lets his guard down a little bit. He gets a, he doesn't he's nowhere near in the Biden universe, but he no. kind of enters that you know gets a little bit on that spectrum. You know when he lets his guard down and he he sort of will say things. You know like he mixed up his uncle and his grandfather. Who was it that went to the concentration camp during right. the campaign? All that kind of stuff. But I you know I think the thing he's got going for him. He's a Democrat, yeah, you know, honestly, if a Republican said that, I think there there would be this huge outcry
4: oh no we were uh, we were t- saying that earlier that it, you know that it, well first of all, that nothing just in terms of linguistics, just in terms of the, the the verbal delivery, that nothing Barack Obama says can really ever be as horrifyingly off-putting as what George W. Bush has just because <laughs> and I mean this strictly in terms of like the timbre and delivery of his voice, just there's a certain there is a certain calm smoothness to there Obama's is. delivery that George W. Bush, George W. Bush, it always just sounded, it kind of sounded like his head and mouth had been made out of component parts of other people, like he, <laughs> you know, like it was sort of a patchwork quilt of a jaw, and so everything kind of came out, just this is all kind of marble mouth and whatnot. So don't get me wrong that we're going to do our very, very best to turn this molehill into a mountain by the end of the day.
7: Uh, just, <laughs> well, good good work to you. You're getting no help from the Special Olympics people who are um, have no comment. Really? That's the official comment is no comment. We'll see if that changes over the course of the day. I, look, I you just know, can't... And I suspect that President. we will hear from President Obama himself. He's already back on the East Coast. He's already back in D.C. I wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of happens by a microphone. And I, just, says
4: something. I can't go four years without having something to make fun of with this guy. That's just not going to work for me. And he said a few things in the past that we tried to uh, that we tried to hold on a second. Are you able to let me see, let me make sure you can hear the, uh, the, the sound effects here. Can you hear this? Yeah Okay. That was my that's my tester. Do you remember when um, I believe it was his grandmother about whom he was bang speaking bang. Yeah. Do you remember when, do you remember when Barack Obama said this about his grandmother?
1: She is a typical white person
4: i do so man we played that like a thousand times a day just desperately trying to start a fire with it (laughs) and nothing happened i mean it it's like being out in the woods and you you know you've got the tinder and the kindling and the whatever and you're kind of blowing on the dried moss and you're you're trying to light a signal fire so the plane can come by and you know rescue you doesn't happen so this is going to be our next shot at it because there's just uh there just doesn't seem to be any amusement otherwise and so life is too short to go without ridiculing
7: our leaders lisa yeah is going to be the result of this? Do you think it's, everyone's just going to be like, "Oh, he goofed up. He shouldn't have said it." Do you think maybe this will now open up a tidal wave of inappropriate jokes?
4: I would hope so. I would. <laughs> I would like to think that that's the case. I always root for inappropriate behavior, like in I, every context.
7: You know, in the way that Michelle Obama has brought whole, tons of business to J. Crew. I, I don't know. Or, or do you think that this will be a whole bunch of, um, you know, NRA guys will be like, you know, what? I kind of like that Obama.
4: <laughs> I kind of like that Obama and the way he passively insulted Special <laughs> Olympics folks.
7: I like he's not so PC. <laughs> I like that, you know. Maybe,
4: I like his edgy demeanor. He's
7: not scared to joke around.
4: No, I mean it's, it. It's really not that big of a deal, only because again his delivery is such. You know, it's that thing that Michael Keaton says in the movie The Paper where he says uh, a clipboard and a confident wave will get you into any building in the yep, world. Yep. It's all about your delivery and, and y- y- like the tone with which you deliver it. And he you know, he seems to have – the thing is, like Obama himself said it, had no issue with it, which is why probably most people won't. But that's not going to be for lack of trying on the part of the Rick Emerson right, show. Right.
7: Well, you know, Jay Leno knew right away. He just kind of was like – uh... Moving on!
4: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he, he... he. But it was like 40 minutes, though, last night. I mean, it was the better part of... Um, I mean, it was the better part of the evening that he was that he was on. And, um, you know, which is... I guess it's sort of interesting. It, it, it I cannot help but feel... I know I've said this uh, many times, but I cannot help but feel like we're just back in this weird sort of 70s vibe. And I get this 70s feeling off so much of the stuff we're going through really? right now. Because you can kind of see Carter doing that, right? You could sort of see Carter going and doing a very sort of, well, what's the word I'm looking for? But, you know, a very mainstream yeah. connection with the American people because it's this kind of quasi-touchy-feely time, but at the same time people want you to feel like...
7: harder than Clinton,
4: really. I To some degree, uh, only because with Clinton, I mean, what were the problems that Clinton was really dealing with? I mean, it's not like everything was going perfectly, and but I there wasn't this sense mean, of national panic.
7: Yep,
1: yep.
4: You know, there's this sense of national vertigo right now that just, like, that there is no hand on the rudder. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. So, um, I want to ask you uh, a question about these these AIG things, just because it's, yes. it seems to be sort of uh, everywhere. And the front of the New York Post had just the best headline ever, where it just said "Not so fast, you greedy bastards," which was wonderful. <laughs> uh, but is it? I, I think I may have I may have had you clarify this the other day. But okay. uh, this this issue of whether or not it's even legal for the government to go in and and be taking back bonuses that are contractually obligated.
7: It's not clear. The, it seems to be the Congress is rolling in the direction of we can do this. Though not everyone in Congress thinks that. Barney Frank, the chairman of the House Finance Committee, he he's not he's not sure, but you know he thinks that there could be some lawsuits here. Uh, who knows? I think I think what Congress has going for them and the taxpayers, you could kind of lump into that too, is is just the amount of shame being put on these folks right now. That I think what's happening, what their CEO predicts, the CEO of AIG, is that most of those folks will return the money and and will just quit their jobs, which could cause further problems to AIG. Uh, it it could make a bigger mess. He says, who knows? Congress is ready to take this, that chance at this point, and probably the American people yeah. are too, uh, but we don't know. They 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 believe that they have written this law in a way that is that it is not. Uh, unconstitutional, that one of the unconstitutional arguments is that you cannot, one of them is you can't re- pass a retroactive law, but you, there's plenty of times that they do that. The other is that you, you cannot pass a law that just is too narrowly focused on, on one group of people. And So what they're doing when they pass these bonus laws is widely defining it to, to apply to most anyone who is getting government bailout money. And they're saying, how, how could Congress not have the right uh, to limit compensation by these bailout companies?
4: So I, uh,
7: so there could be some court questions.
4: Just, just sort of before we go, I wish this one thing that if you, uh, if you saw this in front of the, in the New York Times, where there's this, um, this, this organized labor political group that is actually going to be doing a bus tour of the homes of the guys from AIG this weekend, uh, where, where they're going to take like kind of out of work folks to go by and sort of mock and scorn the uh, the AIG people. It's going to be sort of. And those of you on the left side of the bus will see some guys from AIG who have your money.
7: I so, did not know that. It's
4: uh-huh. a, Tim Riley pointed that out to me. So uh, I believe is that in the New York Times, Tim.
6: And there's a memorandum that's just been leaked to all AIG employees. Telling them to avoid wearing any AIG apparel with the company insignia. <laughs> Ensure any badges with the insignia are not readily visible when exiting the office. Uh, be aware of individuals who appear to be out of place or are spending an amount of time near a facility. Report these settings to building security. Uh, let's see. Immediately report lost or stolen employees' badges. If you think you're being followed, immediately dial 911. Ensure visitors who are escorted by an AIG employee at all times within inside the facility.
4: Well, so there you go.
7: See, right. These are all things that the last Tsars family of Russia, Nicholas and
6: oh. didn't do. Report all windows locks and doors that are broken and appear to be tampered
0: with. Nice. All right. Uh,
6: just, uh, they had
7: I, said, you know, do not wear your royal clothing out <laughs> among the poor. <laughs> that might have helped.
4: On on the czarist no, note that you just why. made, um, hide your jewelry in your corset. Stay in your homes. Exactly. All right. Uh, have, have a have a fantastic weekend, and I look forward to more. Uh, I look forward to more uh, uh, to more uh, czar references uh, next it's, week. We gotta try to work on one of those. All right. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Right, At night, go.
6: when possible, travel in pairs. Always park in well-lit areas. <laughs> Avoid public conversation involving AIG.
4: Make no friends. Avoid eye contact. Keep only to yourself the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Sure is a lot of loudness. The Rick Emerson Radio program. It's 503 2970 503 2970 Thank you for coming by. By the way, we'll uh track some headlines here with Tim riley in just a moment. Coming up here and uh just a bit after that, we'll be talking to Barry, Bryce, Bonnie, Betty. Barry, 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 a childhood friend of John Wayne Gacy says Gacy was quote a real prankster. Uh, later on in the program, seeing a Radio correspondent Jim Rupp, I would like for you, by the way, to go to rickhammerson.com when you get a chance and just check out this uh, this mugshot that's up there. I haven't put the mugshot by itself. Sometimes I'll post the mugshot sort of separately. I didn't do that. Uh, I didn't do that today because I don't want to give it away. It really, the punchline is sort of the confluence of the headline and the mugshot. I'll give you the headline School Library Staff are Accused of Relationship with Student. This is from uh, Denver's uh, ABC uh, Channel 7 in Denver. School Library Staff are Accused of Relationship with Student. The subheadline is Rodriguez also coached soccer. Um, just go to rickemerson.com, click on the link, and then check out the uh, the headline and the mugshot. And I apologize for talking about a picture on the radio. I know that sounds. You just, there really is, the payoff cannot be overstated. So go check that out if you would. It's 503 uh, 733 Let's see uh, what Tim Riley's working on at the news desk.
6: Oh, did I tell you about that? They have arrested a guy for shooting the woman with the arrow in New York. Now, is it true that he was
4: just doing target practice and it, like, went through the fence? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate for everyone So he involved. did hit something, but, but not originally what he wanted. <laughs> it was an ancillary target.
6: Yes. Uh, it's becoming a national obsession with the kids. It's called sexting on cell phones. These uh, teens, they're snapping a nudie picking themselves. Posting it on the phone just to call attention to themselves. Uh, It could be just a coincidence that Connecticut Senator Christopher Dodd wrote in that language to give those AIG guys those big bonuses. Since most of them live in Connecticut, which is where he's from. Uh, And AIG put out a uh, memo telling people not to tell anyone they work at AIG and to uh, stay in well-lit areas. And to avoid
4: contact with other human beings.
6: Miley Cyrus has no complaints about her dad being a control freak. Meanwhile, Jealous and Controlling Joe Simpson orders Jessica to break up with her latest love interest.
4: Boy, have you seen the front of uh, a... Wait, is, is
5: she still dating that football guy?
4: Yeah, I guess so. The Tony uh, she's the one that fixed him up. Yeah, no, it's uh, Tony... Uh, um, I'm, such a bad, <laughs> I'm such a bad guy. Let me get
5: his name here. You no, no his I'm, name
4: just, is, I'm uh, full of fail. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. <laughs> he makes a great onion loaf. She likes his ribs. Yeah, nah. Uh, I guess it's front of, is it people are in style or in touch or one of those? Anyway, there's the whole thing. There was that that whole thing a few months ago where she's bloated up. She she looks like a Christmas ham. And so now she's dropped a whole bunch of weight again, which I'm sure, I'm sure that's safe.
5: It says
6: Tony has become a distraction. Yeah.
4: Well, her, distraction
5: from, your, from what?
4: From her <laughs> failing career, her, her, her lyrics. <laughs> I was going to say at this point, doesn't she need a lot of, I like a distraction for the fact that I've become irrelevant. Uh, well in any event. So we'll get all of that uh coming up and then around the corner uh we will talk to Barry who was the uh childhood chum Bashelli. Yeah, Bashelli. Uh I- I was going to say accomplished, but that's probably the wrong word. You'll be known as sort of a running mate uh, with John Wayne Gacy. So that'll be around the corner. We've got that. More headlines with Tim Riley. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop here in just a uh, short while. Later on, Aaron Duran will be here to review the uh, new film I Love You, Man. Uh, we have and some sound bites and clips, too. Do we? Yes, we do. From that exciting film that's opening at the Multiplex? Yes. All right. And Brian Wheat from Tesla as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> what the, I- the hell was- <laughs> Give that up to our, our man Brent Brisendine. Well done, sir. I love Brent. A little uh, a little Vader. Can you play? Can you actually uh, play that one more time? No, it's
5: a it's a rotator. Oh damn!
4: It. Damn you,
5: you dirty ape!
4: Um, so just very quick, a little peek behind the curtain. We were talking about imaging and production stuff yesterday, and uh, so imaging is whenever you hear the big voice, guy, Rick Emerson show return now more Rick, hey, hell yeah, Rick Emerson, yeah rock all that stuff when you hear the the station Hello, voice going, that reggae right, yeah, right there, any of those things, that's imaging, and sometimes referred to as production is sort of a catch-all term, but that's kind of incorrect. But imaging are all of these little um, all of these little identifiers and jingles and sweepers where the guy says now more of Rick. So we were talking about how those are put together and some of the music behind them and some of some of them have sort of these sort of third-party sound effects. Oh, here it is. <laughs> and I was talking to Brent yesterday, who assembles a lot of that stuff and puts it together. And he's like, "So what do you think about some of the imaging?" I said, oh, "That's great." I said, uh, "You know, some of those uh, some of those liners that have maybe sound effects or movie clips or drop-ins, you know, it sounds good, but sometimes they burn out really quickly. It's like how many times can you hear, you know, like how many times can you hear some King of the Hill soundbite that's just jammed into a piece of production before it gets really old?" And I said, so you probably want to stay away from maybe you you know using a lot of movie clips in the middle of of of, of a liner. And he says, well, how about this one?
0: The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock
4: 101, KUFO. Are you kidding me? It's <laughs> like the best thing I've ever heard because it's Darth Vader from uh, from Adventure of the Sith, and it's that. It was like the worst moment in the history of, of the Star Wars universe, uh, where uh, where Anakin wakes up and you know even
5: worse than when she's like hold me like you used
4: to do. It, week, it actually it actually is worse than that because at least you know, like with her character you don't expect her to be anything interesting, but with Vader he's Vader you know you expect him to be righteous and you know and it's where it's where what's it, Palpatine is like you know what a, what about you know and he's asking about um about Padme or whatever you know what about, I'm sorry she died in childbirth no. And he really he does everything but dropping to his knees and screaming con. It's just fantastic. And I told Brett I'm like, You put that anywhere you want. You have carte blanche. <laughs> you you use that you use that sound effect any single time you want to. All right, well done. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We've been talking about this for a, a couple of uh, for a couple of days here. The author of the new book, Johnny and Me, childhood friends with uh, John Wayne Gacy, Barry. Is it Boschelli? Boschelli. How do Boschelli. I pronounce that, sir? Boschelli. Boschelli. How are you today, my friend?
3: Just fine. I'm doing real good.
4: Uh, and so you are now are you currently living in uh, Chicago? You live uh, somewhere no, else? No,
3: no. I'm living in Cheyenne, Wyoming, known for the big daddy of them all, the uh, rodeo, the last week of July, the first week of August. And uh, I wrote the book called Johnny and Me, and I wrote it because I felt that the public should know that the, even though he was a terrible serial killer, he still, he still was normal when I knew him, and that was back in the early 50s.
4: So there was, so you wanted people to maybe know about the softer side of John yes, Wayne Gacy.
3: Sir. Absolutely. <clears throat>
4: What would people be surprised to know about John Wayne Gacy? Okay, apart number one, from, you know, the obvious. He used
3: to deliver, <clears throat> used to deliver groceries uh, to the neighbors from the small store that he worked as a clerk. Two, he also played Santa Claus in a production that we had in our basement the night before Christmas in 1958. Three, he also had a beautiful tenor voice where he could sing, O Holy Night, and actually bring tears to you as my sister, Karen. Myself and of course Johnny went Christmas caroling back in those many years ago. Four, we used to be very uh we, we both had this, this fantastic mind of mm-hmm. always creating yeah. and we made a home uh, a mobile home on rower skates and put a window in the front with a huge uh TV box and a back door with a table and a cooler and Karen and my and, and my sister yes. would be inside and who was the power? Johnny and I huffing and puffing up Sunnyside on the northwest wow. side of Chicago.
4: Yes, uh, that is, uh, that's, that's quite something, sir. I have to add, so this is, so John Wayne Gacy would occasionally, he played Santa Claus in a, yes, in a Christmas uh, production he in he your basement? Santa basements? Claus
3: in the Christmas show. That we put on in our basement. Were people well, invited Navy to this? Uh, was, this yes.
4: a, was this a neighborhood affair that everyone could yes, come watch? Sir.
3: Yes, the neighbors came, and so did the Boy Scouts.
4: I'm trying to picture John Wayne Gacy dressed up in a uh, in a Santa Claus suit. Is I there a, a photograph I know. of that? Well,
3: that's why I have the pictures here, thirty to sixty, that covers a good span of time. I have letters that he wrote yes. when he was about maybe 9, 10 years old, and it's 19, they go of uh, he says it signs off John Wayne Gacy. Lieutenant Governor. So you can see he, at a young age, he was aiming big.
4: Yes, yes, he certainly was. Um, onion on his belt. Uh, the, l- l- let me ask you this. At any point uh, growing up and being childhood friends uh, with John Wayne Gacy, did you ever stop and say to yourself, well, there's just something odd about well, this guy. Well, sir,
3: I did notice when we first met him playing steal the bacon on our neighborhood late at night at around 12 midnight. School was out. Please. The neighbors used to gather at my father's home because Daddy was in the cocktail lounge business, and uh, the liquor was free. Wow. And, of course, us kids couldn't drink <laughs> absolutely not. So when he approached us, uh, there was him, Joanne, and Karen. And uh, the first thing I noticed was he extended his hand, and he said, my name is John Wayne Gacy. So in return, I said, my name is Barry Boschelli And from that time on, we hit it off. We went back to his house. I met his father. His mother was beautiful. Yes. Very, I, I miss her to this very day, and uh, very kind. And my mom and her got along just fine. And our houses yes, between the... the alleys were just traffic. Let me
4: let me ask you to clarify something. So you would you and John Wayne Gacy were playing steal the bacon?
3: No, and our neighbors on the block were, and Johnny and Joanne Karen had just moved what is, there.
4: Please please to explain steal the bacon, sir. All I... right,
3: I'm sorry. All right, steal the bacon is. A number of people, both the same amount on both sides. Yes. You put an object in the middle. A number is called 223344. Four. You run out. You try to grab the object without being uh, tagged.
4: Do you ever uh, look back at knowing John Wayne Gacy and think to yourself, uh, you know, like one, 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 one bad day and, you know, they're, they're kind of take out in a body bag?
3: Sir, I came very close. In 1978, I was invited to his home. And uh, he worked for my father as assistant chef in my dad's cocktail lounge. And anyways, he, I, I had seen him coming. I left Cheyenne in 1975. We had an encounter where I had a project like the White House. Anyways, I've always wanted to do that. Anyways, he came, and it was over a jewelry box that he had taken off my mom's dresser while okay. they were making plans uh, to bury her. And, of course, I... Did not get along with my dad, and my dad didn't care. It's no, just like of Mr. Gacy didn't care. But anyway, uh-huh. went to his home. He asked me to try on the handcuffs, and at that point, I believe that God intervened, told me to tell him to get me a glass of water. When he did, I grabbed my dad's keys, and I ran into a wall. It's all in the book. I lay it out.
4: Wait, so you did, now did you put the handcuffs on, no, no, or didn't?
3: No, no, no. He, he, yeah. I asked him to get me a glass of water. He put them down. That's when he went to the kitchen. That's yes. when I grabbed the thing. I knew something was wrong, but not what I thought. So, I never knew about him killing anybody.
4: Let me, let me, let me ask you this. So you're there, so you're, you're there in, in John Wayne Gacy's house, and he says, it, how, what was his tone of voice when he asked you, was it sort of whimsical, like, hey, I got these handcuffs, or was it like when put on he, these handcuffs? Uh,
3: when he went and got him from the bedroom and brought him out, I had recognized him from a situation uh, many years earlier, because yes. Dad used to do magic tricks. And so I, I, I knew that, that he must have watched my father because he used to entertain people in his cartel uh But anyways, I said, no, I was scared. No, no, there us, was fear in my, in my heart and fear in my body. Did, it, uh,
4: did it strike you as odd that he kept handcuffs in the bedroom?
3: Uh, it struck me odd that he would even approach me and ask yes. me to try him on.
4: Uh, what, was your, uh, what was your reaction when, you, did you, like, when they found, started finding all these uh, bodies in his house? Did you find it on TV? I was
3: uh, living in Kirtland, Illinois, and then yes. I eventually moved down to Florida after he tried to kill me at his home. And uh, when I got down there in the radio, my boss told me to turn the radio on. And when I turned it on, you could have knocked me over. I, I, sir, it, it hit me so hard that within three of, uh, I couldn't work uh, for a couple of days.
4: We're uh, talking to Barry Boshelli is the author of the book, uh, Johnny and Me. Did you, uh, now, did you ever have the, John Wayne Gacy, of course, dressed up as uh, Pogo the Clown? Were you ever with him? Did he do that? Did you no, ever go no, on events so, with him? No, no.
3: No, that was, he moved on, and the last time I saw him was in 1959. We moved to the Plains, and then again in 1975 when I left Cheyenne, <laughs> Yes. and then came back out here in 2005, Excellent. and then another, then further up the line in 1978 when he tried to kill me at his home.
4: Well, that would, that would put, a, put a period at the end of things, I would imagine. All right, my friend, is there a website for the, uh, for the yes. book? Where can people it's find out about it? It's .dot
3: johnnyandme.net. Yes. My partner is David Butts out of Sycamore, Illinois. You can go there on the website, and uh, everything is up there. Also, the, the name of the book itself is called Johnny and Me, I wrote it so the American people knew the end. Now you will know the beginning, what he really was like.
4: All right, excellent. Uh, Barry Bosh thank you so much. The book is Johnny and Me. And, Richie, can you uh, talk to Barry there and the, uh, the, make sure that everything is copacetic on his end? Wow. Is that Johnny with an I, E, or a Y? Uh, with a Y, Tim. It says, do you mean johnnyandme.net? Uh, yeah, I think it's Johnnyme.net. Yeah, that's the website. Redirecting you to johnnyandme.net. net. Wow. You know, Richie sort of was making it sound like the guy spoke really slowly and took forever. Only half of that equation is true. It's only $20. God almighty. It's like fell into some sort of a black hole. Well, that was weird. Here's a rule of thumb. If a guy brings some handcuffs out and tries to kill you, yes, move to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Or, you know, just somewhere else.
6: Back after this. my favorite
5: interview to date,
6: (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, Barry. I'm so proud of you from Pam. Now, get in the box. I just read the book. I loved it.
8: Dropping one K UFO. That's from Victor Hugo.
6: <laughs> one trick is to tell them stories that don't go anywhere. Like the time I caught the ferry over to Shelbyville, I needed a new heel for my shoe. So I decided to go to Morganville, which is what they call Shelbyville in those days. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now, To take the ferry cost a nickel. And in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt, which was a style at the time. They didn't have white onions because of the war. The only thing you could get was those big yellow ones.
4: I'm having deja vu like I'm there. Wow.
5: I'm sorry. Every day, the interviews just keep getting
4: better. During the break, Sarah was reading John Wayne Gacy's Wikipedia entry and noting that, quote, this is kind of creepy. And then Tim observed that it might be a little one-sided, though. It doesn't show his softer side.
5: It doesn't show Johnny's softer side.
6: They may not have asked his opinion. (laughs) And then we were playing Steal the Bacon.
5: (laughs) I guess reading the parts about how... Boys kept pressing charges against him, and then all of a sudden they'd drop him because they would disappear. <laughs>
4: that was a little creepy. <laughs> and at no point did the police go, "Wait a minute, hang on." All right. Well, I don't know. For the fifteenth time, one of the witnesses has just vanished. Probably a coincidence. You're saying, "Oh, holy night!" as he put a noose around my neck? <laughs> I love this show. So we want to thank Barry Boschelli, Bush- <laughs> author we'll take of Time Up from his busy <laughs> schedule. <laughs> He turned up or down, <laughs> a belt onioning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, wow, author of Johnny and Me.
5: I also not think we should play that back at like eight o'clock.
4: Okay, hey, it's fine with me. Make a note of it. That or Adam West. We're gonna put that right on the uh, put that one on the uh, we're gonna put that one on the composite to the station demo reel for clients. My face hurts <laughs> <I'm> laughing. That <laughs> was really that was really quite something. Um, I want to get the book actually. I hey, hey, do, Richie, I
5: really, really want to read it. Hey, Richie, is he sending us a copy of the book? Four copies, please.
4: Excellent. Fantastic. All right,
5: Richie gets the, the quick pimpin' book. We get the <laughs> Johnny book.
4: And especially because he's been with a picture of, uh, of Gacy in the Santa Claus suit, putting on, quote, a Christmas show in the basement, which sounds creepy. That just sounds and like should a be thing. Handcuffs, of... and I got a bad feeling. <laughs> Apparently I didn't even get to ask him this cuz it <laughs> that just was sort not of not as much fun as the whoopee cushion it, it, that we ordered before. It spiraled <laughs> out of control pretty quickly. But I guess at one point he said I'm looking here at the um, the, the sort of overview and he said at one point Bashelli said Gacy took him put him in a corner and said I'm going to kill you, which I think would it's like you can either do the handcuffs or I'm going to kill you. You're not allowed to have both of those things happen to you and claim that you're surprised. Uh, I also didn't get a chance to follow up on this. Barry has the privilege of residing with his three cats, Jumpy, Bootsy, and Sharpie, with whom he finds great pleasure and joy. Uh, Okay. (laughs) He enjoys his large collection of dust. Tim Riley's uh, working on the following stories Wednesday morning.
6: Uh, Salem mother could face charges after a four-year-old was found wandering a neighborhood alone after missing for 17 hours. From too little attention... Well... From little attention to too much, Miley Cyrus enjoys her dad's involvement in her life. Oops, oops. my pot stopped. Here, Miley Cyrus.
7: Say so many things. They always say, you know, your dad's using you, and your dad's isn't that. But my dad's a greater artist than anyone will ever be. So everyone's celebrating me and celebrating Taylor and the Jonas Brothers. None of us come close to what my dad did.
4: And. I think in the wake of the Gacy guy, everything is extra funny. I think everything, I'm just filtering everything through the Grandpa Simpson lens right now. Good God. I, I miss, what did she say at the beginning? Of, she said, saying a control freak and then something, she say a greater artist? Yes. All right. Well, you know, whatever.
2: President Obama is getting ready to take the Special Olympians bowling. I've been practicing Really, <laughs> Really? I, uh, I bowled a 129. I <laughs> Oh, no, that's very good. Yeah.
3: Very good, Mr. President. it was
4: like, it was like Special Olympics <laughs> okay, now the but now here's the thing is somebody needs to follow up uh and find out what the average Special Olympian actually does bowl because who knows I mean he might he might be outperforming the Special Olympics. he might be underperforming one I mean we really at some point uh, during today's program, we should endeavor to find out exactly uh, exactly where the bowling average lies for the average uh, Special Olympic, and a New York City man's been arrested for shooting that woman with an arrow. He says he was just getting some target practice <laughs> the job done da- mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Done and done, sir. Oh, good God almighty. All right, it's 503 uh, 733 Before we do anything else, we should make a note that uh, tonight is going to be the final ever showing of Battlestar Galactica. It is the series finale. Although, I mean, I guess they're going to be doing miniseries and the prequels. and that so This
5: means after tonight I can start watching it.
4: Uh yeah, the series is done tonight. Okay, and I think uh, the uh, they're going to be doing a spin-off series called Caprica, but that actually is a prequel series that takes place uh, sort of in the past. So yeah, you can start watching it as of now. Just uh, you know, and and I would and I look, we've made some unkind remarks about Battlestar Galactica over the last year or so. I think a lot of us because the show has had certainly its weak moments, but I'm, it's finishing strong though. I got to tell you that <clears throat> it really is. It's come together in quite a good way as we're getting toward the end. There was a, It was kind of like The Shield, where The Shield came out of the gate so strong and was really, really good until they got within sight of The End, and then there was this kind of... You know what it was? Here's what uh, The Shield was like. The Shield was like when you're listening to a really great uh, record. You kids, there used to be these things called albums where you'd have to get all the songs at once, and they came connected to each other, and you couldn't just be like uh, singling them out. And... There was always like that one or two songs right toward the end that weren't very good, and then the album ended with with the big anthemic uh, sort of finale. And that's kind of what Battlestar is doing. Uh, Just having seen, and I know that this is a soundbite that got played endlessly, but just that moment last week when Adama puts the strip of red tape down the the hangar deck or the flight deck or whatever it is, and he's having people stand on one side of the tape if they're going to go on the rescue mission, and they're standing on the other side of the tape if they're not going to go on the rescue mission. And then what's-his-name, the doctor tries to go... Which is which got the hugest cheer at the Baghdad, because the doctor on Battlestar Galactica, whose name I forget at the moment, is kind of a cult object among the audience. He's he's a sort of a minor. He's kind of like the Boba Fett uh, in that sense, where he's a minor character that everybody seems to have latched on. But there was this great sequence where Adama is sort of given the speech about it. And he says, he says, "Have no illusions. This is likely to be a one-way trip." And sort of everybody in the theater was like, a, "F yeah, Adama." So that is going to be tonight, the series finale, which is two hours, by the way. And that's the, that's the point I want to make here. Doors at 8. Now, typically, the show's been starting at 10. I cannot stress this point strongly enough. If you show up at 10, you will bring shame on the whole family. And more importantly, you won't be able to see the thing because it's, it's already going to be an hour into it. So it is a two-hour season finale tonight. It starts at 9. It starts... At 9. I cannot impress this upon you uh, with greater gravity. 9. So Doors at 8. you got to be there, because otherwise you're going to be out in the cold uh, like everybody was last week. So that is tonight, Battlestar Galactica. Is everyone thrilled about that? Yes. Oh, boy. Well, you're thrilled so you can start watching from the beginning. Exactly, you have. I want
5: to. Although now I'm kind of obsessed with Lost, so.
4: Yeah, but I mean, but that's going to be gone for another five years it's or whatever at the end of the season anyway, years. right? It's true. No, and I've
5: been waiting. I, I have some people whose opinions I respect that are obsessed with Battlestar Galactica, so I'm kind of excited to watch it's,
4: it. A, look, I, I, it's not that, you know, the, the show has certainly had some episodes that are better than others, but I would say that um, from front to back, it's a it's a solid show. I mean, I would say not a home run all the time, but I'd say it's a good, uh, it's a good solid triple. And the you know that thing about the AIG employees who are being told not to talk to anybody or identify themselves. As I had a press release. Hey, do you know we? Uh, I don't think he still works here anymore. It's hard to say. I mean, really, there's uh, the churn. The churn factor in radio is always a little higher than the uh, than the rest of the population, so I can't really remember. But there's there either is or was a guy here who came here from Enron, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was. And yeah, they all kind of blur together. It's just a what whole was lot like
5: of, a sales guy or something.
4: A lot of khakis and bad neckties upstairs. Yeah, he's a sales guy. Of course, there was a sales guy. Yeah, this memo no, says. It was a DJ.
6: Due to the growing <laughs> sense of public attention fueled by increased me- media scrutiny. We'd like to be part of that. Avoid worry, AIG I- barrel. At night, impossible travel in pairs. Always park in well lit areas. Avoid public conversation about AIG. If you think you're being followed, call 911. Don't give out any personal information.
4: And make sure you report all open doors and windows so, immediately. So, just ahead, as part of that. I have this memo, I won't say where this came from, but this is from what we will call, um, we'll call this a major uh, a major automotive company here in the United States of America. They've Florida. just distributed this memo about the, what to do in case one of your coworkers goes batty. So we got that. Jim Root from CNN Radio still ahead, Brian Wheat from Tesla and Aaron Duran from Geekinthecity.com. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Show. the Rick Emerson radio program on Rock 101 KUFO are you still reading the John Wayne Gacy thing?
5: I can't stop I've never because and you have an obsession with serial killers I've never read anything about them
4: it's a low grade interest it's really they're a big part of the culture Sarah (laughs)
5: it makes me feel dirty and then I'm I'm on um, Barry's website talking I'm reading the reviews of Johnny and me
4: does it actually say that he and John Wayne Gacy quote shared many struggles
5: the first sentence describing um, Barry's life Barry was childhood friends with John Wayne Gacy and together they shared many adventures and struggles
4: (laughs) Remember that time that guy struggled for what seemed like hours? Those were good times. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Les Moonvest doesn't even know the show's on the air, by the way, just in case you're wondering. 503-733-2970. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It was really your reproachful eyebrow right there that made me feel bad. Now even I feel terrible about that.
5: I just look
4: dirty. CNN Radio Correspondent Jim Rupp. Hello, sir. Good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm doing all right. Uh well, let's talk about our good friend uh President Barack Obama last night on the on Jay Leno.
9: Yeah. Um so boring? Talking- a lot of it was boring?
4: It was boring punctuated with uh, what you imagine were frantic calls being made between the White House press secretary and, uh, you know, and some sort of a damage control firm to figure out exactly how they were going to frame uh, Obama's reference to the Special Olympics, which you I think what? was that, sort of odd.
9: That, you know, I, look, I got a kid with a severe disability, and that didn't bother me in the least. I mean, I don't understand what the big hoopla is. I, don't- I mean, I get it. It's, 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 it's politically incorrect but come on folks if that's all you got to worry about god love you
4: i think that's the point we were making with lisa too is that lisa and i were talking about whether it was going to be whether it was going to end up being a big deal and i don't think it actually will because two things one and these are actually part and parcel of sort of the same thing the one is coming off the heels of like 8 years of of george w bush just in terms of sort of delivery and tone and you know just, you know and just in public speaking style yeah, you that know, it could have been anything. It could have been the Declaration of Independence being read by George W. Bush, but it just sort of came out sort of awkward and mangly-sounding, <laughs> to where you know it was sort of everything. Every little syllable was just like a like a sawzall jagging inside your ear. Um, whereas we, you know with Barack Obama, you know just like like Bill Clinton, everything comes out sort of very calm and self-assured, and it's all about the forward momentum with him. Yeah. But so it's not so much I think. Because as you just noted, Leno seemed to flinch a little bit, although the crowd was largely uh, seemed unbothered by the whole thing. But it is that everybody is kind of waiting for the hook into the guy. You know, and everybody's kind of waiting to see like sort of what they can kind of grab onto, get any sort of traction with. And so it remains to be remains to be seen. But the, the, the kind of the interesting thing to me was it was I don't know what I anticipated in terms of his his stay in the show, but it was I think it was damn near the whole. It was like 40 minutes or something, right?
9: Yeah, he was it, except, except for Garth Brooks and that big hat of his. Uh, he was the only guest on The uh, Tonight Show last night.
4: Yeah, it was, I have to say, it was it was pretty interesting to see him functioning in that environment, having been on Leno during the campaign, because there's all this discussion about, can he go back on the show, and is it going to sort of diminish him, or will it make, you know, it make him seem like less than the president, because, you know, he's got such a rock star vibe anyway, and especially when you're the president, you get that very towering persona, and... I think it actually worked very well. I think he picked entirely the right show to to get that. Oh,
9: yeah, we talked about this yesterday. Letterman would have have jumped all over that Special Olympics thing. Actually, uh, Letterman wouldn't have given him the opportunity because he would have been digging on him about something else. Right, right. But, you know, it it, it is what it is. You know, if if in 59 days this is really his sort of second blunder, you know, what are you going to do? He's a human being. What I like about the thing last night was that he didn't try to be anything other than what he was. I mean, I think one thing about, and I was never really a huge fan of Barack Obama, but I think what I like about him is that I think he still remembers that before he was president, he was just a regular American trying to get by, and and as long as he doesn't lose that, I think he'll be fine.
4: Yeah. Did you see, this? just on a totally unrelated note, he was talking. You know, they talked about AIG and the bailouts and stuff, but Tim found Tim found the best story today. This is from the New York Times. And apparently, there's a political group, it's sort of this organized labor group, and they're going to be doing a bus tour of AIG Homes this weekend. <laughs> says here, well, says the leader of the group, the Connecticut Working F- uh, Families Party, promises um, to take a bunch of unemployed people, put them on a bus, and then take them on a tour of the homes of all the guys who got bonuses at AIG. Oh, good Lord. Which is sort of a confluence of all the great things about this country, right? That
9: it, could wind up being dangerous.
4: Yeah, I mean, it could be dangerous, or it could be entertaining, or it, really, ideally for us, it could be some sort of a combination of the above two things. <laughs> And you also got to love the fact that in America, a guy has figured out a way to, in turn, make his own buck on top of the AIG thing just by renting a bus and finding a bunch of, like, angry, embittered, like, steel workers.
9: That's American ingenuity Seriously, right there.
4: How'd you like to go see those AIG bastards? Give me fifteen We'll be good to go. <laughs> and, and the thing that I keep referencing this week, did you see, by any chance, the cover of the New York Post from, I guess it would have been uh, Wednesday? No. It was about the AIG bailout, and it was just a, it was the kind of thing that the Post really does best. They they really are just the gold standard in so many ways. It was a huge, you know, just the New York Post, the whole cover was black, and then in big, white, all-caps, block letters, it just said, Not so fast, you greedy bastards. That was just the entire front page. No picture, no sub-headline, nothing. That was it. So, it is uh, It is. It is an interesting time to work in the media, my friend. <laughs> hey, did you see this thing about Michael Jackson selling out 50 concerts, uh, supposedly in, in, in London? Yeah, in London, yeah. I don't think it would seem possible. I don't know how big of the O2 arena is.
9: Uh, you know, he wouldn't, it's probably like 15 people, he wouldn't sell out here. You know, the only place he would sell out is a place like London. I mean, they still love him over there. It's what uh, was
4: the last time he performed a concert uh in the United States i can't i mean it must have been
9: oh, it's been ten years at least it
4: has to have been i yeah. mean i I don't well, he even did
9: that little comeback tour with his brothers wasn't that it
4: but did he is that is that a thing that actually happened, or is that a thing they talked about and that it never actually took place?
9: isn't that when his hair caught fire? no, oh, but that would have been geez, that would have been like eighty
4: nine are you talking oh, about when he was I, filming I, the Pepsi commercial
9: I don't know last I saw him he was in his pajamas in a courtroom, <laughs> so i don't I,
4: I couldn't tell you <laughs> you have a we have a weird life. <laughs> I don't know. I remember that time I saw him in his footy pajamas uh, putting his hand on a Bible, but uh, talking about wine in a soda can. Other than that, it's a... Uh, yes. Yes. I... I No, please don't do that. Uh, Sorry. I apologize. The, hey, uh, one final note. I know we're all over the uh, page here today, but I know you're a man who... Uh, you multitask. You parallel process. They wrapped up... The defense, I guess, rested in the Spectre thing, right?
9: Yeah. Um. Uh, the, the closing arguments are coming up, I think, next week. And so I'll be there for that, and then of course verdict whenever it comes down.
4: Excellent. By the way, uh, if you get a spare moment today, I would strongly recommend that you go to RickEmerson.com and check out uh, one of the best mugshots you're going to see all month, where uh, we sort of have a uh, we have a I would say an ongoing interest in peculiar mugshots, and this one is a. It's really quite something. So, you get a chance, you go to RickEmerson.com. I'm on and, uh, my way. You check that out. All right, my friend, do you have big plans for your weekend? No, none. Excellent. Those are the best plans to have.
9: I know, man. So far, so good.
4: Excellent. You just get your. Uh, if
9: uh, my wife finds me, it'll change.
4: Well, see, that's, that's why you you know maybe you just get one of those like a uh, one of those uh, Batcave things. You like pull the book out and then like the book you know it swings around and then you've got the uh, like the young <laughs> Frankenstein thing where you put the candle back and then the wall moves. <laughs> It would just be like the Jim Roop, you, know, uh, you know, Library of Solitude or something. Uh, I need that. Yes. All right. Have a good weekend, my Thanks, friend. Thanks, buddy. There you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent. Fantastic. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you? I am just fine. Thank you for Friday. It's been an incredible week here. It really has. It's been quite something. And that's and that was all before we talked to the Gacy guy. You go. No, I feel to a,
5: like the week is complete.
4: He's got a He's got a MySpace page, by the way. I don't have the. Uh, uh, and he only has like twelve friends so far. No, we'll we'll change that. Oh,
5: I'm gonna ask to be his friend right this second. <laughs> uh,
4: his website is Johnny and Me. That's Johnny with a Y. Johnnyandme.net. You go there, it links right through his uh his MySpace page. He's only been befriended so far by his
6: three cats.
4: What and are their names, Tim? They all share an account. Uh, it's Bootsy, Jumpy, and Sharpie. And I knew that from memory, <laughs> by the way. I didn't even have to look on his bio. We'll play Mary... that a... We'll look at it again. Uh, we'll play that interview again later on in the show. All right. Just ahead, more news with Tim Riley. Still to come, Brian Wheat from Tesla. Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. It's a Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you so much for joining us today. Still ahead, Aaron Duran will be reviewing the new Paul Rudd film, I Love You Man. We'll be talking about the greatest television finales of all time because Battlestar Galactica's final episode is tonight. Tonight, tonight at the Baghdad uh, with Rock 101, KUFO, and the Court and Fat Show. That is tonight, and it starts an hour earlier than normal. That is 9 p.m. doors at 8. So uh, don't go later. You'll uh, you'll look like a tool. Nobody wants that. Later on, we'll uh, hear from the John Wayne Gacy guy, uh, again, Barry uh, Barry Boschelli. Also, Brian Wheat from Tesla. One random caller today will win a pair of tickets to see Tesla April 5th at the Roseland. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim Riley at the news desk.
10: In the news
6: with Tim Riley. Volunteers from a local church have teamed up to cut down on violence on the Max line. A group of eight people in dark jackets are trying to blend in with the crowd, and they're trying to protect everyone on the Max from violence. I thought Max was, uh, the Max people going to put cops on these things.
4: But apparently not. Well, that's just. I don't think that was. I think that was one of those stories that they put yeah. out, hoping that then criminals would hear it and say, "Well, by God, I guess our." They, they put out the press release every month. I think our salad days of committing acts of hooliganism are over. Mm-hmm. Perhaps we should stay home and knit. And that's not really going to happen. So I love the idea, by the way, that they're going to uh, try to quote blend in on the max uh, by by you know by being church people or whatever or by uh, what is it they're going to be wearing dark Lock. clothing? Yeah. If you're gonna blend in, it's always a good idea to put out a press release announcing what you're gonna be wearing ahead of time. That's always a, that's step number one.
6: So here we go. Just because we wish something happened, it did. On his way back to Washington aboard Air Force One, President Obama called the chairman of the Special Olympics last night, Tim Shriver, to say he was sorry about what he said on Leno.
2: I've been practicing. Really, <laughs> really. I uh, I bowled a 129. <laughs>
6: That's
2: very good. Yeah. Oh, that's very oh, good, Mr. It was President. Like, it was like Special Olympics.
6: Like... So Tim Shriver says, as we we said was going to happen, he's going to have Special Olympic athletes visit the White House to bowl in the White House basement. Photo. I demand, demand a photo. Maybe even play some hoops. <laughs> now, is no ordinary person. He's one of the Kennedys. He is the son of uh, the founder of the Special Olympics, US, uh, Eunice Shriver Kennedy, and nephew of uh, Teddy Kennedy. Wait, is she the lobotomized one? No, no, that... That was the uh, one we never heard from again.
4: <laughs> well, I think that goes without saying. What do you want for lunch? Uh, All right, bananas again. No, she was married to uh, Sergeant Shriver. Sergeant, is that like being married to Sergeant Bilko? I guess so. It's um, about the same thing. So let's just back up for a second. So, it, Jesus, it's amazing how things just it, 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 it transmogrify in this culture. I mean, just in the blink of an eye. So
6: See, You're probably wondering about the bowling alley itself. It was installed in the White House basement by Harry Truman in 1947.
4: Now, wait a minute. I thought it was installed by Richard Nixon.
6: It says Harry Truman. Okay, we have to back up for a this second. This could be there's, a different
4: bowling alley. We have to. There's so much. Here, so much ground we have to cover. So at the beginning of the, show, it was only like less than two hours ago. At the beginning of the show, we were talking about Obama making the statement last night on Leno about it. I'm bowling like a, like I'm in the Special Olympics. Wow, wow! And then the whole crowd laughs and whatever. Is that and, supposed to be bad? Well, see, and that's the thing is, I think we're all on the same page with the crowd. I mean, Let, let me put it this way. I don't know anybody who seems to be offended by it. Nobody really seems to be bothered by it, however good or bad a statement of it. It doesn't seem to have any fallout, although I got a, I got the most fantastic email during the break. I so desperately hope this comes true. Uh, listener Jenny emailed during the break, and she says, about the Barack Obama Special Olympic comment, you know who's going to weigh in on this? Sarah Palin. And you know that's true. You know just in your bones that that's true. I hope, it's, I hope it's within the next hour and 15 minutes. I hope it's sometime today. It
5: has to be. Look at how fast this is. Um, happening. You know? I hope
4: it's in her shrill, harpy-like, screaming voice. Ah, and then I hope somebody asks her awkward questions about her daughter. And, uh, the, well, yes, we've got that unfolding. And then at the top of the program, you said, in what I'm assuming is your, uh, is your trademark humorous style, Tim, where you are exaggerating to the point of absurdity, Barack Obama will be inviting Special Olympians to bowl at the White House, which was a joke. Like a thing you were saying. like a, like a, as a. as It was a,
6: an early morning joke. It was a goof, is what
4: it was. And it now, was morning show and, humor, and now it's actually come to pass, mm-hmm. which is which is just wonderful. So we have that video footage to look forward to. And here's the thing, if I can just say what everybody's thinking, then everybody's going to be looking to see if he is in fact out by a bunch of Special Olympics kids. And you he's going to have gonna happen. to. And he, he has to be. He cannot
5: to, beat the Special Olympics children. Don't no. beat
4: the Special Olympics kids. <laughs> if you draw maybe one lesson, maybe they'll
5: play bumper bowling. Phew,
4: I, even inadvertently, if you uh, if you draw one lesson from today's programs. Uh, today's program, kids, it is It is the words of Sarah Dillon, don't beat the Special Olympics, kids. I mean, really, unless they're asking for it. Well, bowling. From bowling. From
6: bowling to archery, 27-year-old Eric Collins has been arrested in New York City. Apparently, he was the guy who shot the uh, the arrow into the woman. He was just enjoying a little target practice. Uh, some of the neighbors are very concerned.
10: <laughs> that could have been, you know, one of our kids And you know, glad that it, it didn't result in any... Um, and
5: or to Special and it wasn't Olympian. a child, even though I just shot a woman through yeah, it's, the chest. It's,
4: it's okay to hurt adults, but not <laughs> really. <Sure is okay. laughs> yeah. Local toothless rube Earl Wiggins had this to say. Jesus. Uh, just one more thing on the Barack Obama bowling, the Special Olympics kids. And you know, this is not like, this isn't Let's like
6: the Special Olympians bowling. Can you hear the morning show parody song? <laughs> yes,
1: I
4: can. I'm going to see it. It'll be out by Monday. <laughs> the, um. Yes. Hold on, I'm getting, getting... Getting control of myself here, gaining composure.
6: Think of something sad, like John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> I'm sorry, that didn't <laughs> have the desired help get,
1: effect. I'll you get the show <laughs> under control again.
4: <laughs> Adam West. Okay, stop, stop now, you bastard! Stop. Um, let's all act as adults here. But this isn't like the thing of TriMet claiming they're going to put cops on the Max, which is just a lie. That's a lie. That's a fiction. If you hear uh, TriMet or the Portland, we're going to put more security in the Max, they are lying to you. They are turning this whole city into one big web of deception. They only put them on the stop in front of KGW. Exactly. exactly. Where does Kent Brockman get on? Put a lot of cops there. So that is a thing they can just say and then they have to follow through. Uh, Barack Obama will have to follow through on this business of having Special Olympics kids come to ball. And Sarah just pointed out... What is absolutely true, which is that there's like there's no winning there because I mean literally there's no winning because he can't win. You can't beat Special Olympics kids after insulting them, however inadvertently, on by television by saying that you're
5: a bad bowling player because you're like a Special Olympics. Kid. So now then they so can now, the Barack Obama so now, double. Now imagine this. If he loses, he's, the, he's, keep, he's proving his point again. Now he's
4: no. the leader of the free world. This is the best part of the story, by the way, is now that the Special Olympics kids actually will be coming to bowl at the White House. Which is a statement so surreal, I can't even believe I'm making it. See, the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, the most powerful man on the globe, is now going to be put in the position of having to contrive a loss to a bowling team full of handicapped kids. Which is really just—that's going to be a special kind of, you know, you talk about just the, the eating, a, eating a full, a full plate of crow. That's a. That's a thing that'll keep you humble. Well, I'm sorry. I, I know i got to worry about nuclear launch codes and, like, Soviet incursions into Kazakhstan or whatever. I, I, have to, I have to go lose a bowling game to some handicapped kids. I'll be, I'll be back after that to fix the economy. That's wonderful. Excellent. Okay. It's a good day to be us. It really is. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk.
6: In a more humbling experience, the uh, First Lady is going to plant a vegetable garden at the White House, the first one since Eleanor Roosevelt.
4: Now, back on this uh, business of the bowling alley for a second, though. I was to understand that Richard Nixon put in a bowling alley, and he did it by filling in and paving over the swimming pool that JFK had put in.
6: This might be the the basement bowling alley. Is there
4: more than one bowling alley in the White House? There may be. I can't imagine Richard Nixon bowling. No, 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 no he who? did. No, th- th- But this is true. See, this is, there is there are photographs of Richard Nixon bowling. Richard Nixon loved to bowl. He wasn't very good at it, apparently, but he, he liked to do it. Um... And the story, and now that part's true—that Richard Nixon had a bowling alley installed in the White House. Now, what I don't know is through, uh, uh, Seymour Hirsch, who's was a journalist on the East Coast and has, uh, you know, written a lot of books over the years. Uh, Seymour Hirsch always said that the deal is that Nixon had Kennedy's swimming pool filled in and paved over because he disapproved of the fact that that JFK was down there fornicating with uh, with Marilyn Monroe. He didn't you know, like the idea that there were like a lot of slap and tickle going on in the White House swimming pool between JFK and Maryland late at night while they were all unclothed and whatnot. And so Nixon's response was like, fill it in and pave it over, which is fantastic when you can see that is the quintessential Nixon response to anything. I'm looking at the White House bowling alley.
6: It's at the White House bowling alley, 2008. It is one bowling lane. Yeah, no, it's tiny. That's the thing it's not the even basement. an alley. It's Underneath like- the North Portico, the bowling alley was first built in the ground floor of the West Wing is a birthday gift to President Truman in 1947, in the, lo- in the location of the present Situation Room. So Truman didn't care about bowling himself, but allowed the staff to start a league. And that they moved it to the Executive Office in 1955 to the to make way for a mimeograph room.
4: <laughs> a mimeograph room. <laughs> so in
6: 1969, both the President and Mrs. Nixon, both avid bowlers, had a new alley built, paid for by friends, in the underground workspace below the driveway. So this is indeed.
4: Nixon's bowling alley. And by the way, the thing about it, how perfect is it that Richard Nixon's bowling alley only has one lane? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no friends, no colleagues, no acquaintances, no loved ones. There's, I there's, wish to bowl alone tonight. There's a, presi- a picture of President Bush bowling in the suit. Wow, that looks really natural. Yeah, if you Google like Nixon bowling, you'll probably come up with uh, you'll probably come up with some photographs. It says there
6: says White House Bowl at the end. <laughs> in case you forget,
4: <laughs> that looks so tacky. There's a photograph. you should show a photograph of the bowling lane, and at the end where it says. You know, Columbia Lanes, or, you know, like, what is that?
8: White House Bowl.
4: Whatever that place is on the, on on, uh, on Powell, you know, where it's, uh, you know, AMC 20 or something. It just has a big picture of the White House, White House Bowl. Oh, here's a picture of Richard Nixon Bowling. See? And in, like, a bad sort of, like, blue, uh, like, tracksuit getup. Like shark skin or something. That's an unfortunate part
6: His his jowls are like hanging down in the gutter line. No, he was effectively...
4: He was sort of a bulldog that walked like a man. Uh, He wore pants up to his neck. (laughs) And how fitting, by the way, is it of Richard Nixon, when he got rid of the swimming pool or whatever and put it in the bowling alley, that his response was just to fill it in, with pave it over, and destroy it. That was sort of That is the most Nixonian way to get rid of anything.
6: So there have been a couple of different bowling alleys.
4: Excellent. There you go. That's a white history... uh, 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 Here's... Oh... It's a short history Did of White House.
6: People have bowled there before. <laughs> is that is that Truman? That's Truman bowling with handicapped people in wheelchairs. Look, I don't mean. 1953. I don't mean disrespect. This is the West Wing bowling alley, a different bowling alley than this one, though.
4: Why is Truman bowling with people in wheelchairs? Not using them to bowl. You know what I mean. He's not, like, wheeling them toward the pins or anything. But why is Truman bowling with people in wheelchairs? How can you bowl? I don't mean any disrespect. But how can you bowl if you're in a wheelchair? It's all about. Momentum? Yeah, because I can't.
5: Maybe How? someone pushes them toward the... That's cheating. You maybe, can't maybe do that. Maybe somebody picks up the, the back of the chair. No, they just, still their other arms. So they you know, can be wheeling with the... Just because you're in a wheelchair can...
4: doesn't mean you can flout the rules, Sarah.
5: No, because they can be wheeling with one arm and then bowling with the other. No, you
4: wheel in one arm, you go in a circle. <laughs> if you wheel with oh, one yeah. arm, you're just spinning around and around. Well, they are part of his
6: constituency.
4: <laughs> Whose? The Harry Truman. He's dead. Well, he might have got the vote. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. It's the Rick Emerson program. Still ahead, Brian Wheat from Tesla. We'll also talk to Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com and uh, your phone calls as well as a pair of Tesla tickets. More news from Tim Riley. We'll have the John Wayne Gacy interview, sort of an encore uh, presentation of that. Uh, This one's going out to our friend Matt, who emailed this morning. Uh, Listener Matt says, hey, uh, I am waiting for a flight at PDX. And he might be on the plane by the time he hears this, but uh, so much the better. So he said, I'm waiting for a flight at PDX. Can I be the first person to request Blood Rock on KUFO? Uh, Love the show. And then it signed, uh, Travis the monkey is eating my face. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, So this one's going out to Matt, waking you up and making you feel good. It's Blood Rock. Here's DOA. It's the Rick Everson Radio Program, Rock, whatever, KUFO. I should note, by the way, just in case that you're a uh, a new listener to the program, this is not part of the regular <laughs> UFO playlist. This is <laughs> do have
5: DOA in the playlist.
4: I should establish here, uh, if you are in fact just uh, just joining us here, this is a little bit of a tradition on the Rick Emerson Show that uh, every now and again, if somebody is getting ready to fly or to, uh, to you know to, if they're leaving on a jet plane and don't know when they'll be back again, uh, we will play this song, which, believe it or not, was a top twenty hit on the Hit Parade in uh, 1971. So this is a gripping little ditty about a plane crash. This is uh It's the Rick Emerson Radio program. It is Friday morning. It's 5037332970. 503 733 Still ahead this hour, Brian Wheat from Tesla and later on Aaron Duran from Geekinthecity.com talking about I Love You, Man. We'll also uh, talk about greatest television series finales. Battlestar Galactica final episode tonight. Tonight, 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 tonight at the Baghdad uh, on beautiful southeast Hawthorne. It's at 9 o'clock tonight. Now remember, they've been starting at 10.00. Kind of this whole time, but uh, tonight it's a special two hour finale. Starts at nine, doors at eight, so you gotta be there. Um, if you're late, you'll just, uh, you have to go home, wear sackcloth and ashes, and flagellate yourself on an hourly basis. You'll never be able to forgive yourself. So, doors at eight, uh, so be there for the finale, which airs tonight at 9 a.m., ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson program working on the following stories on this Friday morning. Tim Riley's at the news desk.
6: So, the president says he will have the special Olympic kids. Visiting the White House to bowl in the bowling alley after you said this last
2: I've been practicing bowling. Really? Really? I, uh, I bowled a 129. <laughs> I have oh, that's very good. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's very good, sorry, Mr. President. It was like Special Olympics. <laughs>
6: Meanwhile, Michelle Obama is joining a whole bunch of uh, notable women visiting poor schools. Uh, she told one, the students of one Washington, D.C. school that she was taunted. As a girl for talking like a white girl. A New York City man has been arrested for shooting a woman with an arrow. He said it was just target practice. The world's deadliest spider found in produce at uh, World Food Produce turned out not to be so deadly after all.
4: Now, this is the... And all I saw of the spider, by the way, was just a still shot. I think it was on Drudge or something this morning. I don't know. And I guess it was some video or whatever that went along with it. But it was just unbelievably... Because the spider in the photograph... And and I was kind of no fair in the audience, but to be fair, I don't have the picture in front of me either. I'm just I'm working from memory, but I saw I read this article this morning. It was we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. First of all, no one wants to die in Tulsa, Oklahoma. No one wants to be, no one wants to live in Oklahoma. But I mean, if you really got to die in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'd prefer not to die while being attacked by some huge venomous spider in the produce aisle at a Whole Foods. That just seems like a bad way to go out. But I'm reading the article uh, this morning in the Daily and or whatever the hell. And they, it's called, like, a a, a creeping spider or a wandering spider or something. It's from Brazil. And the still shot they have of the spider is so just, like, tooth-rattlingly terrifying. Because the spider in the photograph does appear to be sort of like... I get it's creeped out even talking about it. In the photograph, the spider appears to be sort of, like, up on its hind legs, like it's about ready to, like, do hand-to-hand combat with you. Like it's getting ready to play a round of Mortal Kombat or something. It's just very off-putting. I would... Uh, if you're if you're unnerved by spiders, as are we all uh, to some degree, I would suggest that you just sort of you avoid looking into that story. I am story not like.
5: going to look at that. No,
4: it's bad. It's bad, man. Um, Especially
5: but, since I have a lot of spiders in my house, like I don't want to think
4: about yeah, that. This email says: uh, Does Sarah need help setting up her coffee pot? If she does, she know how to work the coffee pot at the station. Does she know how to work a clock? If these two things are true, why doesn't she know how to work a coffee pot with a clock? <laughs>
5: because my coffee pot is evil and it has no sense of time. And morning is night, and night is morning to
4: it. But it does have a sense of time. No, it's because
5: just, I set it for three thirty a.m. and it went off at three thirty p.m. So does that mean I need to set it for, like my? This makes my head hurt. But that's so not to, true.
4: What you just but said it there. is. If you set it for three thirty a.m. Are you in fact saying that the coffee pot? We should give just the backstory on this is that you have never owned a coffee pot, but now, of course, you're getting up early and whatever, and you gotta have your caffeine. And I think you had said on the air. It wasn't like you're on the air, like angling for somebody to give you free stuff. But I mean, I think you just mentioned on the air, like, "I don't have a coffee pot," and I said, "How can you not have one?" You're like, "I don't know."
5: And our dear listener Michael bought me a coffee. And someone pot.
4: just arrived in the mail. It's like, "Dear Sarah, here is a coffee pot, which is by Cuisinart, and incidentally, it's the coffee pot that I very nearly bought. It's not the one I have." It's uh,
5: super nice. It has all kinds of like fancy buttons and brushed steel and if, stuff.
4: If only you knew what any of the buttons did. <laughs> so, I thought I did. So that was last week, and so you you took it out, you plugged it in. And then you attempted to use it, and you woke up at 3 in the afternoon to the to the aroma of fresh brewed coffee. That's fantastic.
5: Yes, and then that extra, like, that super extra tripped me out because, you know, when you're taking a nap in the middle of the day, all of a sudden... You're disoriented. We talked about that. We're like, AM, PM, AM, PM. It b- smells like coffee, but I swear I just did the show, but okay.
4: And now here's a silly question. Have you read, like, the instruction manual?
5: I did, and I don't like reading instruction
8: manuals. I'm just... Okay. I'm. Just, I'm
5: saying, I said, so I looked at what time it was, and I said it, it was like... It was like twelve o five when I was setting it in the afternoon, so I set it for twelve o five p.m. and then set the alarm for three thirty a.m. and then all of a sudden, you know, three hour flash forward three hours later. And are
4: you coffee. sure that you didn't inadvertently set the coffee pot to start brewing at twelve o five p.m.? They, like you didn't maybe you confused the no, time. No, it started
5: brewing three hours al- later.
4: There's a, we have to I, we have to move on because we're just falling into yes. some kind of coffee wormhole. But I have to. Are you saying that either a? It seems like there's only two conclusions here. No, three. Three is that. You yourself made some sort of operator error when I'm programming sure the coffee I'm sure that's exactly pot. the
5: case, but it didn't, because I could look at him. Like, the time says p.m., I set the alarm clock for a.m., yet it's going off at p.m. Because
4: the only other conclusion is that the coffee pot is, in fact, either defective or possessed in I some way. I think it's possessed. Or that because... the, 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 the clock itself is off by, like is that the clock itself is off, you know, by 12 hours or something.
5: Exactly. So do I set the times for, so since 12.05 p.m., I said, do I set it for 12.05 a.m. and then set the alarm for p.m.? You know
4: what they ought to do? Here's what they ought to do, because this is such a thing with, you know, you always hear the the VCR blinking 12 noon, um, you know, for old people. That's what they always use. That's to kind of become the pop culture go-to for talking about how, like, you know, your grandfather's busy tying an onion to his belt but can't quite figure out exactly how to do anything else that requires any of the technological acumen. And so they say, and you go home and the VCR is still blinking 12 noon, which is the thing that we have said forever. And I think, to give credit where credit is due, Jay Leno was the first person to make the VCR blinking 12 noon reference. And everybody then latched onto that as the gold standard. Mm-hmm. That is sort of the microcosm of the codger-like inability to use any uh, sort of electronic equipment correctly. But now the VCRs are becoming a thing of the past. We need another thing that we can use when referencing how, like, some old, out-of-touch relative, like, it can't seem to it can't seem to work anything properly. And I know it's going to be, man, it's going to be like a twittering or facebooking or something. But it has got to be something else. But what they ought to do, you know, they have like picture menus for people that are all, you know, they're all muted up and whatnot, or it, or they've got uh, what's that cell phone that you can buy in Parade magazine, <laughs> just got like, the huge ass buttons. And oh, the jitterbug. It, yeah, and it just and it just like on off. And I think it actually has a dial tone, which is fantastic. What they ought to have is some sort of alarm clock, coffee pot, anything that requires being set to go off at a specific time. And it wouldn't even require you to tell time. This is the real genius thing about it. You could pitch it to maybe uh, for children or or Sarah, where instead of telling the coffee pot, like, look, I got to be up at 315. It's 12 noon now. But then you know, and you're trying to figure out like, you know, what you know, what the sense for a.m. and p.m. You, it's got to have something where when you get up the first time, you just hit a big button and you're like, this is when I get up, and you hit the button, and then you hit the, you know, another like this is, you know, you know, then you enter the time and then you're good. So, or you could just simple. Or you could set it to, um, you could set it to coincide with, um, with television programs. You could say that like I needed to go like right now. Perry Mason is on Uh, in the morning. Uh, you know, Carl Klick will be on. I need the coffee pot to start brewing when Carl Klick was on. Because Americans know when television shows air. That's the only thing, especially if it's Perry Mason, especially in Portland, by the
5: but way. But I do have to say I had a, a cup of coffee from it, and it was delicious.
4: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And now you know the rest, <laughs> the rest of rest. the story. All right. I, still ahead, and we'll get to this around the corner as well as news from Tim Riley. I have this memo from what we will call a major American automobile company. This sort of ties into the AIG thing where I guess they are now telling AIG employees... And this isn't just the guys who got the bonuses, right? This is like every employee ever, just to like take off their badges, don't don't identify no, yourself yeah. as working for AIG. Yeah. Park in a well lit area, yeah. carry a sidearm at all times, perhaps a scimitar. And so, as part and parcel of that, I've got this uh, I've got this memo from a major American automobile company about what to do. It's not so much if; it's really more of a when. One of your colleagues goes crazy and uh, believes that the time of purification is at hand. So that is ahead, as well as Brian Wheat from Tesla, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com, and a few more minutes with Barry Boschelli, author of Johnny and Me. It's The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO.
0: The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101
4: KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. Still ahead this hour, Brian Wheat from Tesla. Later on, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. As well as an encore presentation of Barry Buscelli, childhood friend of John Wayne Gacy. His new book, Johnny and Me. Which, by the way, apparently includes some horrifying photograph of John Wayne Gacy dressed up as Santa Claus, quote, putting on a Christmas show in the basement. This is... This is after they played something called Steal the Bacon, but before they, again quoting here, enjoyed many struggles together, also flailings, occasional sort of muffled gasps for help, but mainly struggles. I want to read this very quickly. This is sort of an adjunct to Tim. You have that thing about the AIG employees being told to not wear anything that identifies them as being AIG. Apparently, there's the, is there like a fear that they're just going to be set upon by the general public? Uh-huh. You walk out the front door and immediately the mob will materialize. Well,
6: apparently, they're afraid of being hung with piano wire. According to the head of AIG, he testified. Is that actually the phrase he used? Yeah. He, he read a letter saying that people wanted to string them up with piano wire.
4: There's a lot of odd phraseology being uttered these days by people who are maybe not not thinking these things through.
6: Well, I, I guess they looked at piano wire is fairly cheap. It's only fifteen ninety five for a one pound coil, and it comes in one and five pound coils. Not that. Well, I am curious. That, not Where do you get piano <laughs> wire? And it says add to basket and oh, like, buy uh, one
4: now. Sounds like Barry Bashelli may be writing another book. Free delivery. Uh huh. So moving forward, I have this here. This is a memorandum sent out. To employees of what we would call a major uh, American automotive company, I will not identify the company. This is uh, Studebaker. But, but it, yes, for, it's the yes, it's the Studebaker. It's the it's EnsoCo. Uh, so this is Rick. This is sent to me by a friend in Detroit. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. Thought you'd like to see it. Two blank employees in North America. Subject: Behavioral emergency procedures. And then it says, safety is one of the highest priorities we have here at the blank company. As part of our continuing communications and awareness regarding safety, we will periodically refresh or republish our procedures. The company has a a behavioral emergency or workplace violence procedure, which notes things we can do to help ensure our own personal safety. Each of us should do some pre-planning on steps we should take if confronted with a behavioral emergency. Be prepared, be safe. Tim, You should pre-plan your safe places. Know where they are prior to an emergency. A safe place, Tim, is any place where you can hide to protect yourself from immediate danger, such as conference room, work cubicle. Really? A cubicle, by the way, uh, has no ceiling. I don't even... it doesn't have a door. And of those walls aren't attached to anything. Also, it's made of cardboard.
6: What if you're in a fetal position?
4: (laughs) It doesn't... Please don't harm me. (laughs) Maybe they should just teach you... I do not work in HR in five different languages. Or how about, you know, the uh, like Laura Laura was uh, planning when she was traveling last year. She was trying to figure out how to say, I did not vote for George W. Bush, uh, like in whatever the native tongue was going to be. Let's see. Or hide under furniture. What furniture? Quick, right now. Name a piece of furniture that's not a table you can hide under.
5: I don't. Nothing. You can, there's nothing. They're that's, just broken chairs. That's in true. Here.
4: And you can't hide under a chair. You can't feed your family with a cod piece, and you hide can't under hide under, the under a chair. Chairs. There's no hiding under a chair. Hide under a I couch. can hide under the board. Yeah, but that doesn't really count as furniture. That's yeah. sort of a countertop. So, yeah, there's no hiding under furniture. Uh, let's see. Follow directions given during any lockdown procedure. Do not gather in large groups. Lock doors and windows. Set cell phones to vibrate. Sarah. Wouldn't you be safer in a large group? Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, look. I mean, To
5: vibrate, so not to silent, but set your phone to vibrate so you can hear...
4: That's so we can hear Anderson Cooper calling you. you know, <laughs> yeah. <so> they can <laughs> hear
6: you hiding <laughs> under your
5: furniture. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Indy, why does the couch vibrate? Uh, let's see. Contact local security. Give only vital information. Provide a description of the suspects. Uh, and then it says, if you want... This is the part that I'm trying to find, by the way. So this is a real memo that is uh, has been put up by a major American auto uh, company. This is the holy grail at the end. If you want more information, a behavioral emergency lockdown video on how to respond to a behavioral emergency while at work is located at. And then it, there's it, that part You have been, to break the glass for it. That part, that part has been redacted. So I'm attempting to. Uh, I'm what attempting are to discover VHS that. the other VHS recordings. So I was trying to figure out uh, here. I, I I think that right now in this studio we're behind several doors. Uh, but I'm thinking that maybe Richie's room might be the safest because, you know, there's no door handles on there. Because the handles have just fallen out.
5: So we should all crowd into Richie's room?
4: I'm just saying that in the event that somebody, and by somebody I mean Sarah Wagner, goes crazy and begins shooting everyone, or, or, I'm sorry, if there's a behavioral incident, <laughs> that we're all going to hide in Richie's office.
5: Behavioral incidents just sound so much happier.
4: It does. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim
6: Riley. So I always enjoy when I get to come into work and play things like
2: this. I've been practicing Really? <laughs> really? I, uh, I bowled a 129. I have a... Oh, no, that's very good. Yeah. Oh, that's very that's good,
4: sort of Mr. President. Like, it was like Special Olympics. <laughs> the best part is when you watch it and Leno blanches ever so slightly, you can see him cringe just a little bit, like, that. and I, 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 he shouldn't have said that. Uh, the audience doesn't seem to pay pay much mind at all. Uh, Leno clearly knows that there's been some little bit of a speed bump there. And just to have been a fly uh, on the wall at the White House when he said that. Because at that moment, I bet probably BlackBerry usage in Washington, D.C. Uh, shot up by about 75,000%. Just everybody immediately is sending something to, like, Wonkette or something.
6: But, but you really can't gauge it by the audience because there's something weird about being in a live audience they make you sit and wait for the longest time then they bring out some lame comedian and you'll laugh at anything that by that point and then by the time <laughs> the
4: show it's it's like non-stop getting this and then and they and they deny you food and water and mm-hmm. sleep and you're there under those blazing uh, bright fluorescent lights too it is really it is sort of like being in this comedic jonestown i think because i've never been to the leno show but i've been, i've been to shows like that even when you know when Laura and i went to see um Rockstar Supernova a couple years ago when Storm Large was on there. So we're there, and it's the same thing. You go to see, and by the time the actual events start, you are just so punch drunk yeah. from standing outside. Can I leave to use the bathroom? I don't know. You might not get in if and if I were you. I'd just hold it, friend. Well, can I get some water? No. You know, so you get in there and you've been deprived of uh, you know, all the basic amenities of human living. So really, you are so unbelievably loopy that everything is the funniest and most entertaining thing you've ever heard.
6: It's the same thing for, for like previews. You don't allow people to leave during movie screenings and things like that. Well, no, Tim. If they leave, you can't
8: break
4: their spirit. That's right. Excellent. That used to be one of my jobs. <laughs> Breaking
8: people's spirit?
6: <laughs> yes. we've in- forcing
4: them not to leave. We've handed that off to somebody else now.
6: So anyway, uh, you can expect handicapped and special children... With tongues hanging down to the ground to be invited to bowl in the White House uh, basement.
4: Whoa, well, huh? Boba. Tongues hanging down to the ground in gleeful anticipation, Tim. Yes, that not, too. Not unlike when I'm looking forward to a delicious Stouffer's entree.
6: So let's talk about uh, some of these other things going on. It looks like there are videos of Rihanna and Chris Brown having sex out there. Wow. Ew. Mm-hmm. I've had rumors that she's planning to move away from New York. Mariah Carey has uh, offered $125 million for a mansion in West L.A. It's in Holby Hills, 15 bedrooms made of limestone, and comes with the library with books.
4: I was just going to say, imagine, don't you just picture Reader's Digest condensed novels as far as the eye can see, mm-hmm. interspersed with the occasional Jackie Collins. Hey, back in the Rihanna-Chris Brown thing for a second. Yes, That's all I know. They're the hot new couple, Tim. They are. The, now, who is, but who is saying that there's a sex tape? Like, is Chris Brown saying that? The Star the is saying star. that. You know, this, here's the thing about the Star. The Star. I don't know if mean, the last time you read Star magazine is. They it's sort of revamped time. themselves a little bit because you know they used to be. It's a poor man's Inquirer. Ah, but see, but they're trying to reimage themselves. They used to be this sort of uh, like a newsprint tabloid, the way that the Inquirer is. I but, know it's smaller, like a Betty of Veronica comic book, because it's in the same area <laughs> of the checkouts. <laughs> just like a Just like a Reggie and Jughead yeah. double date digest. Do you think about Archie Comics sometimes? I wonder if that They're is just there. the lowest possible rung of the cartooning world. I notice not everyone in them is white anymore. Is that true? Yeah. Has Riverdale become a much more inclusive place? Mm-hmm. It's a big tent. Mm-hmm. I think about Archie Comics occasionally in this sense. I think about Archie Comics the way that I think about uh, sort of embarrassingly bad or broad or cartoony logos or graphics for sort of stupid products. Like you ever go to the dollar store and you see... It's like some terrible off brand of shampoo or something, and on the front there's like a like you know, like a sunflower but but he's got like sunglasses and he's waggling his arms like it's Daisy Fresh. And you wonder like who is the poor soul that was chained to a writing desk somewhere who had to draw that? You know, I don't have any artistic ability. I mean Sarah can draw and paint and stuff, and I can't I mean I can't, I can't do anything beyond stick figures. But you figure like the guy who has to sit there and draw Archie comics. Which, by the way, you can you imagine a less uh, a less creatively expressive job mm-hmm. I mean because it it seems like it's all just done I mean as long as you get like the cross hatch on the side of his hair, I mean that's probably all the audience really cares about, but you've got to draw him exactly the same way every time, and I also think about this, don't you figure that in terms of not just archie comics but in comic strips because I'm fascinated by the by the comics page in the newspaper. Which somebody told me the other day, the Oregonian was weighing getting rid of their comic strips, and they can't do that because then I will have be the only thing left. in See, one of their sections? I have nothing to fixate on if they do that. That in Botox ads. Well, I mean... <laughs> And pages and pages of classified ads, Tim, paid for by consumers who are excited to share their offerings with other readers. Yes. Um, maybe the, I mean, maybe the Oregonian uh, or other newspapers, but in this case, the Oregonian. I mean, they can't seem to get people to read the news. Maybe if it was all done. Like, maybe it was the news as acted out by the Wizard of Id, or something. Or, like, you know what I mean? Or they have, like... I think I know what you mean. Or they have, like, the BC uh, guy or somebody, and he's, like, talking about the AIG bailout, but he's doing it with, like, that tablet that he throws into the ocean. Or they could just have... You know, it'd be sort of like Afghanistan conflict, as, as done by the family circus kids. And then it would be a lot who blew up these Taliban statues and then b- grew opium? I don't know. And then they would show, like, the ghostly I don't know character, uh, you know. Maybe that's not such a good idea. It's something that occurred to me as being moderately amusing. My final note on that is this. Yeah. Chris Paddock told me that upstairs, I won't identify who this is, apparently upstairs here at CBS Radio there is uh, there is someone who I'm unclear about whether it's just one or a collection, but has, a, a, like, a, a sort of favorite, cherished, and framed Hagar the Horrible comic strip <laughs> Their office wall,
5: which is... What are you talking about? I have my Kathy one taped over there.
4: Yes, there's a whole, a whole wall of Marmaduke oh, art.
5: I can't even joke about that. That just made me feel dirty. No.
4: All right. I don't know why we started talking about Betty and Veronica. Oh, it's but the Star magazine is there. They, they've turned the Star into a glossy, though, is my point. It's become a glossy slick, sort of like People magazine. It's no longer a, no longer a newsprint. They're trying to differentiate themselves from, um, from the Inquirer in that way. Those Archie comics are always there right by the Tic Tacs and the D-cell batteries, though.
5: I can't believe they're still going.
4: Well, it indicates... See, that's my thing, too, is it indicates that there must still be an audience for them. Do you, I mean, are there still, like, weirdo, misfit kids that go through some some phase where Archie and the Veronica comics are really speaking to their... Maybe. ...to their emotional needs? You know, there's really nobody who assuages my pain like like Princi- Principal Grundy. I, uh... I can't, that's really... You know, really, the goings-on at Pop's Chocolate Shop uh, really resonate deeply within me as a troubled adolescent. I mean, that's just absurd. The final note that I'll make about Archie Comics today is because my mom was a she went through this whole religious nutcase uh, phase when I was a kid, which coincided exactly with me being like 12, 13, 14, so that was a lot of fun. I don't know if you all remember this, but the Archie Comics, and they might still do this, They made two versions of the Archie comics. There was the regular Archie comics, which was about the wacky like dating happenings between all the you know the members of the gang, which seemed vaguely incestuous in some way because it was like, you know, like Archie and Reggie were all both trying to like get it on with both Vetti and Veronica, and then you know, and then there was that Trixie who I think was a witch. It's all very strange. And then they made this sideline of Archie comics that were Christian comics, where every sort of you know every storyline, every plot arc ended with. Because of Jesus, and it was like it was like they took the Archie comics and said, "Look, they're not quite bland enough. These aren't just a little too edgy and provocative. How can we just leech out the remaining bits of comedy? I know through the power of Christ, and you know, and mission accomplished. So somewhere I have a big stack of those.
6: All right. So anyway, they arrested a guy for uh, shooting that lady with the arrow, and he said he didn't mean it. He was just trying to get in some target pa- practice, and things went awry.
10: That could have been, you know, when our kids, and uh, you know. Glad that it, it didn't result in any, um, any death.
4: It only hit an adult. Glad that it hit a woman who was closer to the end of her life. All right. Just ahead, Brian Wheat from Tesla. Later on, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. More from Tim Riley and the John Wayne Gacy guy, Redux. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101KUM. The best part about that soundbite there is that it makes Everything. no sense. <laughs> yeah. There's just no context to it in any way. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is a real pleasure to welcome to the Rick Emerson Show Tesla's Brian Wheat joining us here uh, in the mornings. Hello, sir. How are you, my friend?
10: How's it going?
4: Uh, it is going very well. Thank you for spending a few uh, minutes with us. I want to say first and foremost, Tesla is going to be at the Roseland April 5th. Tickets on sale now at all Tickets West outlets. That is Tesla April 5th uh, April fifth at the Roseland. And you guys have got a, a new record out. It came out, what, I think, uh, October, November, uh, Forevermore. And you're doing that. You're out on the road. You've got uh, you, uh, two discs set a while back, uh, A an you know, additional uh, live album. You guys have continued to work more or less all the way since since nineteen eighty four except for a brief hiatus i mean that's twenty five years uh, of, of of tesla what was what was the most you hoped for when you got together? Did you see it going this long or what was what were you guys aiming for at the beginning
10: yeah you know, just to be able to have a record in the record shops when we first started you know uh if uh you would have told me we'd still be doing it you know twenty five years later, I would have told you you were nuts but uh um you know, it was just to get a record deal and to be able to have a record like in, in the record shops, you know, and and then it just, you know, it just kept going.
4: When you when you guys got together Tesla put out, you know, just a several real strong albums right out of the gate. In some bands it takes a while for them to find their sound, but I mean you have uh, mechanical resonance, a great radio controversy, uh and you know, of course five man acoustical jam and it all it was one after the other after the other what was the moment the instant where you guys kind of looked around and you said you know this is like we have sort of you know we're we're in the groove we have arrived we've made it this is we are things are happening what what was the instant where you saw that
10: probably um when love song became a hit you know and that was about 1989
4: and Love Song is a really interesting recording, too, because it's got, it's not constructed like a traditional rock song or pop song in that there isn't, you know, there isn't the repeating chorus. There's just this, it really is anthemic and in the sense that it starts and it builds and it builds and it sort of blossoms into this into this you uh, know this conclusion followed by it has that beautiful uh, you know it has that beautiful ending and there's the acoustic guitar intro and it's just it really is quite is quite something did you guys know it was a hit when you wrote love song
3: well we
10: we thought it was real strong the funny story about love song is that our managers and our record company didn't like the song and we actually had to like fight with them to get them to put that on the let us put it on the record and uh You know, we we, we thought it was a hit, and, you know, they didn't, and, and, uh, you know, it was like the fourth song we released off Great Radio Controversy, so, um, you know, in the end, we were right, but, you know, I'm not telling them I told you so, but, you know, they said that exact thing to us, you know, it's not like a traditional song where, you know, there's a repeating chorus, and we said, well, neither was Bohemian Rhapsody, so... You know, well but they it wasn't were,
4: uh, a lot of seven times.
10: minutes long. Or yeah heaven didn't have a repeating chorus. You know,
4: and there's I mean, no there's no hook right at the beginning, but it does. It's a beautiful song, uh, front to back. And record companies, record companies, sometimes I imagine that they really they will get you in a room sometimes, and they'll either want you to write a particular kind of song, or probably you guys went through this maybe after love song or after five man acoustical jam. Where there's you know they send some A and R guy and he says. That was a great song, uh now, Brian, you and the other guys, you need to write that same song over and over again for the next twenty years were there, was there a lot of pressure to recreate uh love song or Five man acoustical Jam when they were such huge hits
10: um with signs there was after signs was a was a big big hit, and, you know they they tried to get us to to you know do something like signs again um but we were kind of hard headed back then. <laughs> And we never did that anyways. I mean, we were never contrived. We never sat down to try to write a song a certain way. We just wrote songs that, you know, came natural and pleased us. And, if, you know, they happened to work, then that was great. So, but, uh, yeah, you know, there's always, with big record companies like that, there was always a lot of... You know, meddling and stuff.
4: Talking to Brian Wheat from Tesla, they're going to be here April 5th at the Roseland Theater. You got, and the fan base for Tesla has stayed loyal to you guys and consistent throughout the years. And probably because there's, you've stuck to what you do. The, The music of Tesla is instantly identifiable. You guys have got a very trademark sound and. Uh, people have really have really remained by your side uh, for that reason, and I know you're going to be. Is it later this year? There's actually. Is it called Ship Rocked? Is that what this is called? It's sort of like a. It's like a rock a cruise or something that you guys are going to be part of.
10: Yeah, November. It's, it's you know, it's off. Uh, I think it's you know uh, in the Caribbean or something, but yeah, it's us in Queens, right?
4: It is Tesla and Queenswreck in the Caribbean is simultaneously the strangest and greatest thing I've ever heard. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, uh, my friend, I want to thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Tesla, April 5th at the Roseland Theater. Tickets on sale now at all tickets, West outlets. And uh, the the new record is called Forevermore as well. Brian Wheat from Tesla. Thank you, my friend. Best of continued success
10: to you. Thanks, man. We'll see you soon.
4: Thank you. There you go. Brian Wheat from Tesla, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Sarah X. Dylan, how are you today?
5: Hello, I'm doing fabulous.
4: Hello, Tim Riley. How are you this morning? I couldn't be better. And you? I'm fantabulous. Tim Riley is working on the following headlines for you today on this Friday morning.
6: Well, you knew this is going to happen. A bowling phenomenon in the Special Olympics has challenged Barack Obama to a White House bowl-off. This Special Olympian has bowled three perfect 300 games... Wow. Okay. And the president is only bold 128.
4: So this is his average is 266. But I mean, so now he won't have to do the. He says the president is cool, but he can't beat me now. Really? Is the president being trash talked by a guy from the Special Olympics? Yes, he is. Well, that'll make you. uh... That'll really cause you to be unable to perform as a man. I mean, really, that's uh, the next. The next time you try to be with a woman, sort of biblically. You're going to remember the fact that you were smack-talked by a guy from the special... A guy who has to crutch his way to the lanes is probably, is probably going to school you. That'll go through your, uh, your head the next time He's you're trying to summon up confidence. He's also american I demand that this event be televised. I demand that it be televised. I oh, demand that Mean Gene Okerlund do the ringside announcing for it. Fantastic. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Rock 101. It is KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is Friday morning.
0: Eight minutes on the right side of 8 o'clock.
5: What else is it, Rick? Right
4: uh, it's 52 minutes before nine, Sarah. And what else? It is. I was going to try working a Greenwich Mean Time joke here, but it didn't really come together for me. I don't really know what Greenwich Mean Time is. I mean, I know. I, I mean, I know what. Uh, I know in theory what it is, but like, I couldn't tell how many hours ahead of us. Is that just the same thing as London time? i Greenwich,
5: Greenwich, Meantime. Yes,
4: you have. It's what they always use. It isn't like the gold standard of...
5: Yeah, it's it's from the
6: Greenwich Observatory in England.
4: All right, it's eight hours ahead. So, you know, it's too late. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm going to work on this joke over the weekend, and then I'll do it on Monday. Then We'll all laugh uproariously, and then I'll play a clown noise. Working on the following stories at the news desk is Tim Riley. So,
6: since the president decides to insult the handicapped, the Special Olympics have found someone to beat him bowling. I think
4: it's fantastic, by the way, that it's a guy who bowls a 300. 300.
6: So they're going to be bowling in the uh, White House Bowling Alley very soon. Meanwhile, a Salem mother faces charges after a four-year-old wandered the streets without her realizing it for some 17 hours. A thankless group of volunteers will attempt to stop violence on the Max. They'll be unsuccessful. (laughs) There'll be a special announcement at 9.30 this morning, says Sarah Dillon. Something about some professional soccer team coming to town. Here's the team. best
4: part about this, by the way, is that during the break, Sarah's like, hey, so after the show, let's meet quickly because I want to get downtown to go see that Timbers press conference. They're having a big, uh, you know, to-do. And Tim, who's been talking about this for the past three days, actually said, what's it about? So, Well, I don't listen to myself. I, I just read what's put in front of me. I do believe if it's about right. major league soccer coming to our fair city, Tim Riley.
6: Well, it's about
4: time. It won't cost you a penny.
6: That's good, too. AIJ executives will soon face angry mobs arriving by tour buses to harass them at their Swank Connecticut homes. Fantastic! A New York man is arrested for shooting a woman with an arrow. He says he was just target shooting. Rihanna's worried that Chris Brown's going to release their sex tape.
4: Excellent. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from GeekInTheCity.com. Woo. Our good friend Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Uh, hello. So I should say this hello. first and foremost. Yeah. You I'm are all gimped up. You are double fisting it with the. Uh, what are those? Are those like cast What are they? Cap- yeah,
8: they're, they're, it's a wrist brace because I had surgery on Monday. So you had this carpal tunnel <clears throat> yes. surgery or you something? I think that they were
5: scraping out your tunnel. The tummy.
8: whitest of surgeries. <laughs> so they... You said that they put a camera inside your arm. Well, I'm assuming there was since I got to see my own innards insides on the TV. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I asked and they said, well, we normally don't, but hey, watch it on the TV there. That's what we're using. And so is it a thing where they just? Uh, I mean, I don't. Know, I don't even know what carpal. Th- it's like just a, like an inflammation or something. Yeah, it, it, tendons and things become inflamed and huge and. <laughs> that's they, why I have this
6: ergonomic. <laughs> that's why Sarah that's has a why good Sarah, keyboard. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she,
8: okay. Sarah has a good HR that didn't spend two years getting them the correct equipment. <laughs> All right.
6: Those are only for ladies.
8: Yes. So are these braces apparently. Uh, so you, how long do you have to wear those? Because I can't imagine you can do anything. 90 days. I'll oh, have kidding? fun with that. <laughs> 90 days. Did you ride your
5: bike on, with those?
8: No. And no Xbox for you. No, no. Bike riding. I tried doing some uh, Leopard Day yesterday. Boy, that was just an exercise in futility. Okay, now. 90 days. Hey. That's
5: three months. And yes, by the is. way, I'm it's just going to... It's going to be summer when you get those on.
8: Yes, it is. <laughs> Let's uh, rub it
4: in. Have fun sweating it out on those things. I'm going to make this observation. Incidentally, if you wonder what Aaron... He's, it's like those fingerless bicycle gloves, but imagine if they were thick and stiff, and then they went all the way down to the middle of your forearm. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> um, incidentally, I should say this, that... Well, yesterday, uh, I don't know, last night around 9, maybe 6, 7 o'clock, I was uh, on uh, Yale's Xbox Live, yeah. and I did, in fact, see that you were online as well. It did uh, it came on, and it said... It was probably Jen. You know, Geek in the City is online, so... Well, does Jen have her own... Uh, her no, own? No, we longer? share the one, yeah. All right, okay. So I wondered about that, because yeah. I think you'd mentioned that you were getting the surgery, and I was like, is that fool going to try to play Left 4 Dead with the like, effed-up <laughs> <laughs> wrists? I did yesterday. I was like, because oh, I haven't
8: played in, like, three days, and, you know, that's that's, like... Oh, yeah. No, I could just see you just shrieking every time you pull the trigger to try to put down a zombie. Well, so I set up the different buttons. Here's where I'll just nerding out. I reconfigured the buttons so I could maybe play better. Oh, dude, no. So
4: you have to know this. So Aaron comes over to my... Uh, I com- like configuration, too. Aaron comes over to my pad the other day because Aaron's...
5: You have people over at your house
4: was just, just to were- play Xbox. I mean, look, no offense. It wasn't my choice. Uh, Lara, Lara, nice. invited, Lara invited Jen Aaron's uh, uh, lovely wife over, and they were having like some sort of ladies' coffee clutch, a sewing circle. While, uh, you we have no idea what they have planned in the I, future. You know, <laughs> I look, I, I I recognize the fact that I be, I have been sort of assimilated. All right? You know what I mean? I, it, it, I've i just been absorbed in there. I've become a Lucretius have, of the, the... But so Aaron and I are at Battlestar Galactica, and then we uh, you know go back to my house in, in Lauren Jenner there, and they we like, hey, let's all play some Xbox, which is sort of like... That's like the early 21st century version of the Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice thing. You know? Uh, yeah. Instead of uh, you know ending up on a round bed, we all end up clutching an Xbox controller. Hey, why'd you have to go there with that? So Aaron... Gets the second Xbox controller, and Aaron and I are going to play some Left 4 Dead in the living room. I swear, to God, the first thing Aaron says is, "This configuration doesn't really work for me. I have to stop and rearrange all of your buttons." Hold on a second, <laughs> and then I see him going to the customization screen because he's got some, he's got like his own special. I have a special a layout setup. of the buttons, and he can't use my Xbox controller unless it's set to like Aaron's, uh, you know, special formula. Hey, have
8: you headshotted a witch yet?
4: Anyway, I'm just saying. Ah, yeah. Battlestar
8: Galactica tonight.
4: Yes. Oh, Series geez. finale tonight. Now, we should say, by the way, it starts early. It starts Wait, at 9. It starts early. It starts at 9 o'clock. Um, doors are at 8. It's at the Baghdad. Cordon Fatboy from Rock 101, this very fine radio station, the afternoon program. They're going to be there uh, tonight. Doors at 8. The show is at 9. It is a two-hour series finale. We should also note, uh, as a totally separate event... It's something that, you know. Is not a KUFO uh, joint. But before this happens, there's going to be a comedy show happening there as well. So the deal is, we've had some people you know that go to the comedy show, and then they stick around, uh, you know, for Battlestar, and then you know, there's fewer seats or whatever. So the point is, if you really want to guarantee yourself a seat, you get there early because comedy show's not our deal. That's kind of their own thing. But if you really want to make sure you get inside, you probably want to get there uh, earlier yeah. rather than later. So just you
8: know, word of the wise. Uh, predictions, thoughts for tonight? Everyone's going to die. <laughs> It's Battlestar. It's Battlestar. What's it going to end with? A shiny planet with puppies and kittens and rainbows and warm
4: cookies for I, all? I don't know. It's like they painted themselves into the bleak corner, so maybe it's going to end sort of, you know, Wizard of Oz Here's what has
8: me concerned. Uh, about, I don't know, like eight months ago, they interviewed right Ronald now Moore. We're... What? What? Look over there. About, <laughs> <laughs> about eight months ago, it, Ronald Moore gave an interview and, you know, talking about, you know, how do you wrap this up, blah, 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 and he was kind of, you know, he wasn't giving any hints, but one of the last things he says was, but you know what? I was a real big fan of how The Sopranos ended. Yeah, that's great. That's comforting. To so I can look. We look forward to, to endless frustration and then bloviating from critics about how it's genius. Yeah, you can. Yeah, and with like Adama, you know, saying, you know, prepare for ramming speed. Black. <laughs> we
4: have no choice but to end. <laughs>
8: <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, and I. You got two hours though? to fix it, though. So. I think uh, out of all the characters who are going to survive, uh, I think Baltar is going to survive the whole damn thing. Oh yeah, because he's so slimy. Maybe he you know, deserves to be a survivor. Maybe he will end up surviving, but surviving by himself
4: somewhere, totally isolated. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it's 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 given to me that either Adama or Ty, or maybe both of them, will go down with the ship. I mean, it's just such a classic. They it's can't, an archetypal yeah. end, you know, the man who goes down with the ship, because Galactica, the ship is on, spoilers, lol, Galactica, yeah, the ship is on its last legs, and it's starting to go sort of poorly, and these are not
8: spoilers, they sort of, you know, you find this well, stuff out in bits pieces. Well, the series even opened that way, the Galactica was going to be a museum, it was yeah. the oldest battle star in the fleet, so, so, I mean. I'm imagining one of those guys is going to make the, you know, the last stand and will be with, be with the old girl until she Well, comes. they have to, because the only thing they love more than each other is the Galactica. Oh, come on. It's Hi, that Sarah. army man. How are you it's doing the, over there?
5: So, Aaron, you saw a we movie this week, right? You,
8: yeah, you have the new uh, the review of the new Paul Rudd of uh, yeah, I Love You, Man. I Love You, Man. Is it good? No.
7: It looks really bad. <laughs> it, it it's not look that good. it's
8: bad. It's just that uh, it's it, it, I kind of jokingly call it, like, how long can Judd Apatow's coattails keep right. dragging other actors and writers along? Like that
5: horrible mall cop movie that's coming out with Seth Rogen?
8: Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, and that's what this kind of feels like. I mean, Paul Rudd's kind of funny. Um it's hard to feel sorry for Paul Rudd's character because he's a real estate agent that just can't sell uh, the Incredible Hulk's $5 million home to somebody. Right. I'm like, oh, cry me a river. <laughs> right. Boo-hoo. Um, so it's got some funny moments when the two actors are kind of allowed to play off each other. But for the most part, the characters are so... You just dislike every character. And the whole time I kept thinking, why would Paul Rudd's character want to marry the shrew of a woman? And the other thing about this type of movie, the sort of uh, the Apatow film, and it's sort of in the same
4: mode is that, that snarkiness can very easily and you just touched on this turn to u- uh,
8: unlikability it yeah. can turn to is, it can be very shrill and off-putting uh, if it's not handled just right and that's all about the direction totally and th- and this one just this one the yeah the jokes are offsetting and i believe uh, end- right, eventually... I have
4: a
6: clip here all right. in this scene zoe who is rashida jones learns that one of her friends is trying to get pregnant.
7: I'm fine with a little mercury poisoning as long as it means I can eat de- raw fish, because I love it so much.
10: The doctor <laughs> said it's really bad if you're trying to get pregnant. I heard that. Which Barry and I are doing? Oh my God, that's so exciting! <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I'm
7: sorry. That's I just, I pictured you and Barry having sex, and he's so big, and you're so tiny, and I just... Haley. Like, I totally imagined Barry just, like...
2: Okay,
5: hold on, wait. Why
4: are you even imagining I'm it doing it anyway? Well, stop!
5: Stop! I don't that think I'm...
4: That sounds... Yeah, wow. See, I don't think I'm ever going to see that. And by the way, that woman at the end saying stop, stop, doesn't she sound a lot like that old news clip we used to have with the woman going like, stop, stop, you're spraying the baby! <laughs> yeah, the that's baby. what I was thinking. Where the cops were like hosing down the kids at a they Chuck spray E. Spraying Cheese. they There spraying the baby! Yeah. There was a, like the, he co- was like, stop! So like, like the cops came over macing all the kids that were in like the in the ball pit at the Chuck E. Cheese in Pennsylvania or something. Yeah. So, so if
8: you want kind of like a fun, you know, Apatow-style comedy... Believe it or not, go out and rent the unrated role models. Which actually, I have to say, Chris Paddock uh, actually just brought in the role models, Hilarious. the
4: unrated role models DVD that I'm going to watch this weekend. I have not seen the unrated version, so I'm going to have this on my agenda.
8: Yeah, it is dirty and and mean, and yeah, that one, that's the one where they when they just kind of cut loose on that style of comedy and it worked. Excellent. What is uh, happening at GeekInTheCity.com? Uh, GeekInTheCity.com. The new show is up. Uh, everyone who reviewed a film this week was either stuck with the Portland death flu or sent out of town by their jobs. And in this economy, you do not tell your boss no. Sure. So uh, this week, uh, we have a little discussion on fandom. Since uh, Fatboy got me in trouble with all the Joss Whedon fans last week, I've been just hit and just hammered with um, brown coats. No, you know, you're asking for my... You cross the the Whedon fans; they just uh, they go nuts. I mean, they're all kind of bonkers. Well, so I with. poked at him a little bit more this
4: week, so it'll be good. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about the about Dollhouse. Uh, it was our, our friend Cheryl, and she's like, "Are you watching the new the, you know the new Dollhouse?" And I was like, "No, no, no one is." No. No, are you kidding? Are you high? No, not. of course not. <laughs> and you know, I got a long lecture about Joss Whedon and how I need to support all of his uh, all of his projects. Yeah. And then she noted, she's like, "You really have to support Joss Whedon." I said, "Where'd you sit? She goes, "On Hulu."
8: So I mean, which I, which <laughs> I don't think actually helps that guy at all. So. Yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, yeah, this Sunday is a uh, CBS Radio Theater. That's right. Uh, Prelude's Part Two is yes. the the second half of a two part A Z episode, and it is titled No Mercy. And so uh, uh-huh.
4: it, that is uh, A <laughs> Z part of CBS Radio Theater, which airs this coming Sunday at six p.m. on our sister station, AM nine seventy The Talker. Tim Riley. Yes. What can I do for you? We're gonna do the. <laughs> or do we have to? Are we? Do we need to get caught up here? No, no, no. I'm We're gonna at do the. Um, the... Oh, let's do this. We'll uh, get caught up here, and around the corner, we will take a look at the... We'll just take a brief overview of some series finales from years past. We will also have an encore presentation of our interview with Barry Buscelli, who is the childhood friend of John Wayne Gacy, and Facebook status poetry. That is all ahead. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. (laughs) It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, just ahead, Facebook Status Poetry, and we'll take a quick gander back into the annals of television broadcast and look at some series finales as we gear up for tonight's Battlestar finale. That is tonight at 9 o'clock, starts an hour early, doors at 8, so uh, be there no later than 8 o'clock, kids, if you want to see. Uh, and we will, by popular demand,
8: we'll be replaying our interview uh, from this morning with Barry Buscelli, author of Johnny and Me.
5: And Aaron, did you hear it this morning?
8: No, because I was in the shower at the time. So I'm going to hear the <sighs> rebroadcast. It's, it was amazing. It's quite something. Um, I
5: haven't laughed that much in a.
8: <laughs> it was. It's like five seconds out of
4: the gate, we realized it was going to be fantastic. So you'll get to uh, hear that here. I know. And Rick day, was uh,
5: doubting for a second. there's like, "I don't know. Should we cancel on the Gacy guy?" Because Richie described how can we him top as
4: Adam West. Richie described him as being kind of a codger, and I was like, "Well, you know, how do you mean?" He's like, "Well, too much information." He's like, "He over answers the questions," and I thought, "Well, I don't know." But it was in this glorious Grandpa Simpson onion on the belt kind of. Kind oh, of way, nice. So, yeah. Excellent. Let's pay a quick visit to. Tim Riley at the News Desk.
10: In the News with Tim Riley.
4: Joe the Plumber could barely contain himself
6: last night before a crowd of adoring, media-bashing conservatives. God, all this love and everything in this room. I'm horny, declared Joe. This after he gets on stage. Right after uh, Lee Greenwood's GOP classic, God bless the USA, boomed overhead as Joe wearing blue jeans, a black t-shirt, and a flannel shirt, a button to his navel strolled
4: on the stage. <laughs> Unbuttoned to his navel. Sexy. Uh, love it. I think I have the audio here. This is not a zany radio bit. This is the actual audio. So this is Joe the Plumber getting on stage. Um,
6: At the uh, Hyatt Hotel for the Media Research Center's annual Dishonors Award. That's when they blast the liberal media elite.
4: You know, we're uh, we're just a mouthpiece for the man, Tim. We are. Uh, let me. So you'll hear a little Green Lee Greenwood, and then he says this. <laughs> Think about being horny. This is Joe the Plumber. God, what a tool! <laughs> hey,
9: thank you guys. Uh, Got all this love in the room and everything. I'm horny. <gasps> <gasps> oh! Wow.
4: That's oh. so much better than I thought it would be. Well, one, one play more time. Again.
9: Here. I love this man.
3: God bless
1: the
9: hey, thank you guys. Uh, got all this love in the room and everything.
4: I'm horny. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shudder. Ah, that's fantastic. That's
8: just uh, down yeah. home, middle America.
4: It's plain talk, is yep. what that is. And common clay of the new West. Mm. Yeah. Salt of the earth. Tonight is the Battlestar Galactica series finale, uh, Doors at 8, and the show starts at 9 o'clock at the Baghdad, they're on Hawthorne, Gordon Fatboy from the afternoon show right here on Rock 101, KUFO will be there. So I wanted to take this opportunity, I have no big opener or, 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 or theme song to go with this, I have no intro, but we did, so we have this kind of hastily cobbled together list of series finales that have aired over the year. because I mean, there's like 40 of them when you think about it, it's stuff that is sort of you know things that are memorable but i know Timmy you have uh, you have some of the high watermarks of series finale ing I there. do March 19th
6: 1977 the Mary Tyler Moore show
4: is that the one where they're all huddled together with the get looking for the kleenex uh uh-huh. where they it... when
6: they keep Ted and fire everybody else
4: that's the way it always the way it always is <laughs> Tim it wasn't the last time <laughs> That was a little, uh, I'm so glad you said that it was a little alley-oop there. A <laughs> little set him up, knock him down, Tim. That's timing is what that is. Um, but, and so it's like where they're all in the newsroom and they're kind of moving en masse over to get Kleenex or something. I think that's one of those things that I've seen, that clip, way more than I ever actually saw that episode. Just the clip is sort of burned into your brain. I like the theme song too. It really is. Uh, now this is the first season version. Because she's different, driving a different car, but I think there's a different... Yeah. I think they re record the theme itself at some point. But they cleared the highway for her and her Mustang. Kind of like Linda Lavin in the beginning of Alice. <laughs> Excellent. What's next?
6: Uh, Saint Elsewhere. This air date was May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight.
8: Yeah.
4: Saint Elsewhere, which is really one of the greatest uh, t- uh, television programs of all time. I mean, maybe I might I might actually say that it is hands down my favorite television program ever.
5: And when I was looking at this, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that Denzel Washington was in it. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. And Howie Mandel. Mm hmm. <laughs> and also, uh, and also, uh, what's his name? Daniel uh, uh, William Daniels from Boy Meets World.
8: Yeah. And he Ronnie also... Cox. And Ronnie Cox. Yes. And if you ever want your mind completely blown. Google search uh, Saint Elsewhere ending. We are all the dream of the child. Yeah, because Saint Elsewhere ended where the entire series we the
5: snow globe, right?
8: Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah the entire series was
4: uh, a an imagination. It was a story in the imagination of an autistic boy looking at a snow globe. And in the snow globe was a building, and the entire series had just been his dream. Yeah, so there's actually a chart on the internet where they will show you that, assuming that St. Elsewhere, the whole thing was a dream, what other television shows cease to exist? Yeah. And what other things, therefore, become Because so fictitious. many
8: characters crossed over into St. Elsewhere. Well, there either. was, like, a
4: crossover with Cheers, for example, so therefore Cheers doesn't exist. Right.
8: Which means that Frasier doesn't exist. My mind is being blown! It goes all the way back to, like, I think they even go as far back into, like, M.A.S.H. You're on full-on voice number three mode right now. <coughs> yes. Tim Riley?
6: New Heart. Not the original one, but the one that ended on May 21st, 1990.
4: And this is where he wakes up in bed and he's like, Emily, I had the strangest dream and it's Suzanne Plachet." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, whatever happened to the guys who were Daryl and my L- Larry and my other brother oh, yeah, Larry, they, whatever the hell?
6: They just went
4: away. they the Plumber groupies. Yeah, t- Tom Tom. posted his dad. I think everybody else from the show. Boy, let's talk about Julia Duffy, though. Julia Duffy, who played the blonde, she played Peter Scolari's girlfriend mm-hmm. on New Heart. Boy, she was a dish. Probably not now. Probably one of those uh, things. If you look back now, she might she might be kind of kind of trampy looking. Which I guess never,
8: never had a, a thing for her.
4: Nah, she was. Uh, I was a big fan of hers. Excellent, Tim Riley
6: from May twenty first, nineteen ninety two. The Tonight Show, the final program with Johnny Carson.
4: Wow, and that's the one where it, it's actually the second to last show because the last show was you just a sat clip on show. A, a stool. Yeah, uh, but this was where Bette Midler sang "One for My Baby" and "One More for the Road" on the hmm. desk. That's one of the greatest moments. That's not just one of the greatest finales. That's one of the greatest moments in all of television. Yeah. Is when Bette Midler sings that Sinatra song it's, to him right at the end.
8: Is that the only time Johnny ever cried on the air? Well, and I don't
4: remember that, but I do remember that... I mean, last guess, Bette Midler and then Robin Williams. Like, why would you go out that way? You know, I would just sully it with having Patch Adams on your final show. If I ever talk about doing that, I want you to take me back and shoot me in the head. Well, it's hard to believe Leno's been on so long. It seems like and, an eternity. And with a few memorable moments, really. <laughs> There's really nothing. Nobody you, getting... You, Grant... I think that's what, what's the other And other one? the Dancing Idos is the only other thing. Two, two shows that are memorable in the whole yeah. thing. They need more people being hit in the crotch with
6: the. No, it's your
4: rabbi. No. No, indeed. Tim Riley? The Wonder Years. This goes back to May 12, <gasps> uh, 1993. Yeah. And that's the, where he does the closing narration, where he talks about meeting um, Winnie at the airport.
5: Oh, and then it talks about his dad dying. He took over uh, the business
4: when dad died of a heart attack two years later.
5: Oh, this so I remember just bawling my eyes out. Oh,
4: man. How many th- I mean, look. How many uh, times
5: the Wonder Years make you cry? Like every week, basically. I was going to say, <laughs> I,
4: you know, I'm all man, but I'll tell you, the Wonder Years makes you cry like a small child. Yeah, it does. It's a great show. A great show and not gimmicky. It seems it could, the Wonder Years could have really easily been corny and just an excuse to go, like, hey, look, it's something old. It's Farina, you know, or whatever. It, it could have easily become my that 70s show. Or that 80s show, actually. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, you know, very much that level of corny. Yeah. Ah, oh, great show. Tim Riley? May 14th, 1998, the end of Seinfeld. God.
5: Oh, I
4: remember that. And I have to say that I. Maybe it's because I didn't watch the series regularly. I was a sporadic Seinfeld well, viewer. Well, you always
6: felt it's going to be around. Just turn on the TV
4: and you'll find it easy enough. And I think that the end of Seinfeld was sort of... It was interesting. I don't know that I felt like it was a big knockout punch. I thought it was sort of interesting, though. I mean, it was, you know, it was not a bad... Not a not a, bad it's a clip show. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another exciting installment of Facebook poetry on the Rick Emerson radio program. And, of course, just ahead... Barry Bushelli, author of Johnny and Me. He'll talk about the softer side of John Wayne Gacy. Brenneman is watching a video about Twitter. Amber. Chopped is so the wheel of fortune of cooking shows. Liz says, Sprinkle Brigade makes me laugh. Chris says, Apparently our plane is leaking water. Not a big deal, but something needs fixing. I'll keep you posted. Lisa says, OMG, did you get airborne yet? Lully is out of creamer and says, My head is still plugged and I have paint in my hair. But only one more day until the twilight party. Yahoo, LOL. Jones warned Obama not to diss the Bruins, but he did not listen. Amber, I'm not happy losing my appendix, but I'm still worried and I'd like to know what is wrong. Desi says, TGIF, have a long work day ahead of me. Excited to be leaving tomorrow for Vegas, baby. You ready, Shelby and Mecca, get your game face on like donkey. Lloyd is taking it to the limit. What do you have to lose? Mistress Isabel's sycophantic vamp is 30. Mike is full of energy. Macaroni and cheese is getting her driver's license today. (laughs) Kermit lover is pulling up her bootstraps. Kind of. This has been Facebook Status Poetry on The Rick Emerson Show. I think it's because I told him it was amusing, which it is, by the way. It is amusing. Uh, all right. The Rick Emerson Show now enters the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of our program. Don't forget to uh, join us, uh, along with Court and Fat Boy, this afternoon. The- join Cort and Fat Boy. We'll also be there, but it's you not know, there. but We're, we're going to be there for a Battlestar Galactica tonight. It's the series finale. Now, the show starts at 9. Doors are at 8. It is at the Baghdad. No cost, but you got to be there early, especially because there's uh, those other folks doing a comedy show beforehand. So, we want to thank CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins as well as Jim Roop. Um, we also want to thank uh, Brian Wheat from Tesla joining us today. Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. And uh, we want to thank Barry Boschelli, author of Johnny and Me, A Childhood Spent with John Wayne Gacy. We'll be well, on... Just a minute. We'll encore that in uh, just one second. Tim Riley, what were the biggest stories of today?
6: Well, the president insults the disabled, and they found one to beat them bowling. AIG executives will soon face angry mobs arriving by tour buses to harass them at their Swank, Connecticut homes. And Rihanna's worried that Chris Brown will release their sex tape.
4: Has anybody done the obligatory parody like Rihanna, the Fleetwood Mac? That's I what don't I, don't I was thinking. And then just a lot of like, Kuh! in That's the background. That's not a real name.
5: Maybe if the fun continues, we can have a Rihanna watch.
4: Maybe the fun that's i'm sure that's how everybody oh, I will didn't describe mean to it fun i mean of <laughs> the whack the whackaity uh you know in in, in continues to ensue. And there we go. All right, the Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phone Richard Bristol. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The web mistress, Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me. Reynolds, executive producer, one Christopher J. Paddock. My name is Rick Emerson. We will see you Monday morning at 5 a.m. And that is The Frequency. Kenneth.